Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking sports locally and nationally. Join the conversation on our social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome back for another edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What is going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken. I'm joining me in studio. As always, you know him. He's the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. And also joining us in studio, senior sports editor, your coach, my coach, the coach, Coach Duffy. I survived the craze of the NBA free agency guys and i'm here i know ready to go uh, we figured you were down at msg trying to work some magic with the new I, regime i i will just say i mean we'll talk about it you know in the uh second segment but i walked away very happy that is good news to hear but we have so much sports we got to jump into so definitely join in the conversation on social media you can find all our links and so much more at ochoduroparleyhour.com and let us kick off this edition by talking about the NFL week that was. You know it's our recap of our locks and leaps. So, Pad, kick us off. I had a rough week of locks and leaps. Not going to lie. Yeah. I went 0 for 2. Uh, we're going to start with my lock because I figure this is a guarantee. Uh, I chose the Minnesota Vikings to defeat the Dallas Cowboys, and boy, did they not. Dallas winning by the final score of 31-28. to Andy Dalton had 22-32 of for 203 yards passing, three touchdowns, one interception. Uh, Kirk Cousins had 22-30 of for 314 yards passing, three touchdowns, zero interceptions. Coach, your thoughts? Dude, the Vikings can kick rocks. <laughs> <laughs> I This goddamn team... Uh... Here, you know, uh, the Giants are positioning themselves to make a magical little run here to win this division. And in a big, big, you know, in a bye week situation, mm. um, you know, Washington had already won, which the Giants have the tiebreaker on, so I'm not worried about that. Uh, Philly had lost, so that was tremendous. You know, that's kind of what opened, you know, the floodgates to what came on. Yeah. Uh, then go into this 4 o'clock game. And I'm like, all right, Minnesota, you just need to win. You're at home. Mm-hmm. You just need to beat the lonely Cowboys. Yeah. You and they just played well the week prior. Yeah. So I'm thinking, all right, you know, they're going to feature uh, Cook. You know, and they're just going to keep feeding him the rock, mm-hmm. let him run like 30, 40 times. Uh, you know, and maybe every once in a while sprinkle in uh, Thielen. You know, and Jeff- Jeff- Jefferson. Yeah. And uh, all of a sudden. They let Andy Dalton and the Cowboys dominate this game. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, I guess I shouldn't say dominate, but, you know, they went back and forth, lead changes, lead changes after another. And I just, if I'm a Vikings fan, I, I mean, I can't wait for the season to get done with so we can get rid of Cousins. Yeah. Because I have had enough. Yeah. It's good. It's brutal. It's come down to it. I, I think that they're going to have a very strong. Decision to make this offseason. Like, I understand that 22 of 30 for 314 is impressive. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, an average 10.5 yards a pass. But he kills this offense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pat? No, I mean, it's one of those things that I think the Minnesota defense should have stepped up a little bit more because what more can you ask from the offense? Like we mentioned, the Kirk Cousins stats, Dalvin Cook, 27 carries for 115 yards, one touchdown. Adam Thielen uh, receiving had eight catches for 123 yards, two touchdowns. He averaged 15.4 yards per catch. Justin Jefferson, three catches for 86 yards, uh, one touchdown. So it's like you're getting everything you would want. You're getting production. It's not a case of like... 
you know, running games held under 85 yards rushing, passing games, everybody's held under, you know, 70 yards passing. They're doing everything they can. It's just the defense, you know, they were never able to contain Dallas. I mean, you go into halftime and you're down 16 to 7, and then you come out of the gate, okay, great, you you hold Dallas in the third quarter, no points, you put up 7, but then you give up 15 in the fourth and your offense only gets you 14. It's very puzzling to see this team, that they are just so inconsistent, and with Kirk Cousins, you would look at that stat line and go, "That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Three fourteen and three touchdowns. Yeah, you should win that game. And yeah. this one, I blame more on the defense, mm-hmm. more so than him. But I do agree with you, Coach. I think that this off season, they're going to have to really make a decision if they're going to keep him or not because they gave him all that money, mm-hmm. and I don't think they've got their money returned to him. Like no, I just, they, I don't no think for the what was it eighty million or something like 90. that? They, they have not gotten their money back on that investment. No, they definitely didn't get anything in, in, back for this. And no. I think that you need to move him out of there. Where does he go? I mean, he'll land somewhere. Yeah, oh yeah. But for Minnesota, you gambled, you went all in, and you and you crapped out. So. Yep. There's nothing else you can really say about this. Four and six is not the record that you should be at this point. No, especially with Dalvin Cook playing as well as he's been playing. I should know. I have him on fantasy. Exactly. The Dalvin Cook is having an amazing year that I know Derrick Henry gets a lot more publicity. Sure. But Cook is putting up solid numbers. Oh, and, he's putting a monster. Numbers. And you would figure that if you kept Ezekiel Elliott right around 100 yards, no mm-hmm. touchdowns, you should win this game. But they didn't. No. And that's the, that's the puzzling part, too, because – the fact that you let a Dallas team that has been playing subpar this entire year mm-hmm. jump out at you 16-7 to at halftime. Yeah, and I mean, you look at the receiving game, too, for Dallas. Amari Cooper, 81 yards on six catches, no touchdowns. C.D. Lamb, 34 yards on four catches with one touchdown. Michael Gallup. 29 yards on two catches, no touchdowns. You know, it's like, all right, they're not, they're doing okay on the receiving game. It's not anything monster. No, it definitely wasn't monster, but the legend of Dalton showed up and had a strong return. I have, yeah. to, give, I have to give a shout out to him. He's, yeah. He's one of my favorite quarterbacks for getting the Bills in the playoffs. But this is true. I digress. But, I mean, he's looking good right now. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, that was my fear, like leaving this game, watching the way that the Cowboys played, because that was the, uh, I mean, the defense hasn't played great, mm-hmm. you know, and and everything. So the the uh, the what would hold this team up um, and and hold, slow them down, you know. I mean, obviously, yeah, the defense, but like the quarterback play, sure, you know, like that sure. was going to be the concern with Dak going down because you know that uh, they you know that they have uh, the offensive weapons, mm-hmm. you know, to to uh, put in a player, you know, a quarterback, and, and just. You know, let it ride. Yeah. But then, you know, when Dak went down, it's like, all right, Andy Dalton's their backup. Like everybody, right. you know, like he's a capable backup, guys. He can, he can, he can help this team win. Yeah. And then the first week, he played so bad. You know, he didn't look great against the Giants. You know, and that was in short relief. And then the following week, didn't have another great game. And everybody's like, oh, you know, the Cowboys are done. So like going into this game, I'm like, all right, Andy Dalton's back. Like, you know, hopefully he just continues to not play well. Yeah. But now that he played well. I, as a Giants fan, this is really this is a concern. I think it's a case of Dalton doesn't have any pressure on him. Where you look at Cincinnati and it was all the pressure. You're the starter. You're the guy they drafted. You know you got to bring us back, bring us back to glory and prominence, and get us to a Super Bowl and win mm-hmm. this and win that. He's now in a situation in Dallas where okay, yeah, there's a bit of pressure on him. He is the quarterback. He's the guy starting the games. You know you want to go out there and win, but it's not like you know the pressure of the entire franchise is on you because let's face it, all the fans know that you are just you know the band aid on on the wound. Till Dak comes back, 
that, yeah, you're there. Yeah, you got to play well, but it's not like the entire hopes and dreams of the entire franchise and the and the entire fan base are resting on you. So Dalton's going out there. He's like, yeah, I got to win, but I'm not exactly like feeling the pressure on my back. No, he has no pressure to worry about. The, no. the NFC East is so garbage. Yeah. That there is no pressure to do anything. And listen, this is how garbage the NFC East is. And it's beyond the records. You know, everyone, I'm sure at this point, knows the records. But this is how garbage the NFC East is. Currently, Philadelphia is in first place with a record of 3-6-1. and one. If Washington wins on Thursday, they're in first place. It, then, if the Giants win on Sunday, they're in first place. But, hold on, if the Eagles win on Monday night, then they're in first place. You could have three changes atop that division come Tuesday. It's, Next week. It's just so mind-boggling of how, shit? how about how bad this division is. Like, I don't even know how you can put it into words. But it is what it is. Dallas snuck out yeah. with with a much-needed win. Uh-huh. And for Minnesota, you got a lot of questions to start answering. I don't necessarily know if Cousins is to blame for this one, but no. for the overall season, no. you got to really take a look at this offseason because, obviously, you're out of the Trevor Lawrence race. Uh-huh. So who else is going to take the helm there in Minnesota? That's yeah. the question we got to find out. But let us go to the next game. Yeah, so uh, my leap was the Detroit Lions to beat the Carolina Panthers, and I was wrong on that one. Uh, Carolina winning by the final score of 22 0. Uh, PJ Walker had 24 of 34 for 258 yards passing, one touchdown, two interceptions. Uh, Matthew Stafford had 18 of 33 for 178 yards passing, no touchdowns or interceptions. Coach, your thoughts? Any? <laughs> Uh, no, I mean, what can you say? You know, yeah, PJ Walker, man, holy PJ shit! PJ Walker, straight we saw from this the, coming straight from the XFL. Cut, I just cut it, like fourteen times when he was in the NFL before. Amazing story, yeah. It's crazy because I mean, obviously, when we went into this year, you know, the the Panthers were, you know, Luke Hakeley retires unexpectedly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they let Cam Newton go. You know, they bring in Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah, uh, Matt Rule. You know, the uh, head coach from Baylor. We've talked about him before. You know, comes in and takes over, and you know nobody really knows what to expect from this team other than a ton yeah. of growing pains. Yeah, and I mean they've been able to to not only compete but stay in games. I mean, I love what they do. You know, with their receivers. Um, you know, especially with more. Um, and uh, who's the other guy on the outside there? Uh, Curtis Samuel, Robbie Anderson. Yeah, Robbie Anderson. You know, they just they they get these guys the ball in space and yeah. let them you know get open and and, and stretch the field. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean that was a staple of the Baylor offense. And I mean sprinkle in the fact that you know this team's been without Christian McCaffrey all year. Oh yeah, yeah. And that's part you of know? that's part of the reason I looked at this game is you know I was kind of looking at because I knew Bridgewater had gotten hurt in the week prior on Sunday. I knew McCaffrey was kind of a question mark. So I'm look, when I'm looking at the games and the locks leaves, I'm like, all right, it's looking like uh, Bridgewater won't play. McCaffrey might not play. So I'm looking at the depth chart on Carolina. I'm like, all right, never heard of this P.J. Walker guy without doing any further research. Probably should have. But I'm looking and going, all right, P.J. Walker, never heard of him. So you're, you're second-string quarterback, you know, then you got a rushing game that's really not anything to write home about once you get past uh, McCaffrey. And it's like, okay, yeah, the receiving core is, is pretty good, but you don't know what you're going to get out of the quarterback. I'm like, yeah, give me Detroit, but eh, wrong on that one. Well, the one thing you got to factor in is Matt Patricia, head coach of Detroit, is supposed to be what? A defensive a specialist? Defensive guru, yeah. So you're telling me that a defensive guru uh-huh. could not stop a guy that was cut how many times from the NFL? At least 13, 14. And then the only noticeable games he's had have been in the XFL. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Kudos to PJ Walker for stepping up and, oh, yeah. and proving him wrong yeah. and proving everybody else wrong because 
This game should have been Detroit's, mm-hmm. top to bottom. Detroit should be ashamed. Patricia is good as gone yeah, in the offseason. Yeah, say the uh, heat on his chair is a little warm. Uh, you, you, you have to look at this game and say you could not be an outsider coming into the league that couldn't make it on mm-hmm. any practice squads. Mm-hmm. And like I say, maybe that's the wrong narrative to take, but that's the way I see it, that you are supposed to be this defensive genius from Belichick. Yeah. That you are supposed to have all these schemes to stop the Aaron Rodgers mm-hmm. and – the other quarterbacks that have been a carousel in your NFC North. You haven't done it since you've been there. Nope. So why should we expect anything different here? I guess is the point. And you just proved that to be fact, that P.J. Walker absolutely annihilated you, mm-hmm. throwing for 258 and one. Yeah. And you got shut out by a defense that is sorely lacking in any playmakers. Yeah. Detroit just needs to wrap it up and call it a season. Yeah, so especially your defensive-minded coach and your you know big defense and all that, you got one sack on the guy. Yeah, enough said. I mean, where, what else could you really say about this game other than Detroit, have fun with the draft next season. Yeah. The Carolina, you're at least trying to play hard for your coach. Yeah, I mean, I just uh, – the Patricia thing in Detroit, it's just – it's almost insane. You know, I, I it, you can kind of stem it, you know, if you want to compare it to something in wrestling like, you know, when um, – uh, Russo went over to WCW. Yeah, you know everybody was like, "Oh, he was the brains behind you know the greatest you know era in wrestling," and it's like, yeah, but he still had Vince, you know, like to to help tame those ideas. So mm-hmm. it's almost like you know mm-hmm. you you see these coordinators leave, uh, you know, New England and their oh, presence, yeah. and you yeah. see them leave, you know, to try and take over head coaching positions. And I mean, Eric Mangini, Romeo Cornell. You could go on and on. Yeah, and I mean, CW. obviously, yeah, yeah Charlie, Charlie Weiss, Weiss. Yeah, you know, and just these guys land. You know, they just they don't they don't um, they just don't have any success outside I mean, of it. You know, I, I mean, mean, Bill O'Brien had some some decent success in college. When yeah, he was Penn, Penn State, State but and, that's and, it. And then he came into the NFL with Houston, and he had some okay moments. But it, it's not it, it, it for he Bill O'Brien. It hasn't been as much of a dumpster fire as it has been the other guys. Yeah, but so did Romeo Cornell. You know, yeah. he left and yeah. he had brief success too in, yeah. in Kansas City. I mean, it's just it's so funny that the Belichick you know coaching tree. You know, I mean, even uh, the court offense coordinator there, McDaniels. McDaniel's, you know, in Denver, you know, won a, yeah. a playoff game and yeah. almost got to the AFC title game. Yeah. So it's just funny to see, you know, these guys leaving, you know, the Belichick tree and not being able to have the same success. So it's, you know, it's obvious, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> what the mastermind is there that, yeah. Yeah. you know, if you can't you know, branch out and do your own thing. It's like, you know, Joe Judge right now, you know, is the best chance because he was the one that really took the – uh, the uh, Belichick way and is now you know implementing it yeah. with the Giants. Yeah, you know, all these other guys have tried to do their own thing and it just doesn't work. And I can't help but wonder because Patricia did come up with some great defenses and there were some great defenses when he was up in New England. I can't help but wonder if Belichick ever had one of those moments where they're coming up with a game plan or defensive scheme and, and Belichick's going, okay, that's good. Don't get me wrong, but like, let's move this here. Let's move that there. Let's make a few adjustments. There's nobody, because Belichick's been around a little bit. Yeah. He's seen a few plays. He's seen a few offenses. There's nobody there for Patricia to bounce that off of now. Well, the one question I would have concerning the Belichick tree is how many of them tried forging their own path and didn't want to hear that they were a Belichick protege? That's true. Because I think there is quite a few of them that did because what we've seen in the NFL when these uh, coaches have gotten teams, flashes of brilliance. Sure. And I mean like blinking flashes. That you had McDaniels won a playoff game with Tebow Mm -hmm. and pulled Mm -hmm. off the impossible, but then let us not forget – that Denver defense was carrying them uh-huh. the entire way. Sure, 
And then to take a look at Mangini, who had you know a flash in the pan too for success. Romeo Cornell. Yeah. Obviously, he had his teams going good the first year, but then he got figured out. So it's yep. like you can't expect these guys to really have that magic because Belichick is the one who forged it. Mm-hmm. And the, I think a lot of them get in the, their own teams and they just go, okay, we want to do it our own way because we want to prove that it wasn't just him. But at the end of the day, it is. Joe Judge, I will say right now, though, has his team showing up every game. Mm-hmm. And that's the one notable thing, that a lot of these other teams with their new coaches, they weren't showing up for games. Mm-hmm. They were pretty much mailing it in when the season was already kind of midway, and let's see where we're at, and we're in the middle of the pack. Judge, to his credit, and I'm not saying this just because Coach is in the room, he has his guys ready to go every week, mm-hmm. and they play hard. No matter what it is, they show up. I mean, outside of that San Francisco game. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're going to have games like that, but how they rebounded, yeah. that's the noteworthy fact. Mm-hmm. So for Patricia, I just haven't seen that in his tenure in Detroit. No. I really haven't. You had a decent offense, and notice a decent, because Matt Stafford – will keep you in game. Oh, yeah. But after that? Who you got? I mean, you have an aging Adrian Peterson as your leading running back. Let's say seven carries for only 18 yards. Enough said. So Detroit is definitely going to have some work to do if they're going to try to get back to prominence, like we said. And Carolina ruled their their plan for him. I mean, he's coming up with schemes to keep him in with all the departures and injuries they've had. Yeah. Is it enough to say, you know, Will they turn the ship around next season? Hard to say. Yeah, maybe. I'll I'll say it's a it's a solid fifty fifty if they can get to a five hundred record next year. Yeah, but anything's possible. Yeah. Next up on the docket, coach, your picks. Go ahead, Pat. Uh, so which one do you want to start with, your lock or your leap? We'll go with my lock. All right, so you chose the Pittsburgh Steelers to defeat the Jacksonville Jaguars, which they did by the final score of 27-3 to and, improve, I should note, improving to 10-0. Uh, ben Roethlisberger, 32-46 of 46 for 267 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. Uh, Jake Lutton, 16-37 of 37 for 151 yards passing, zero touchdowns, four interceptions. I mean, this had everything on the right end to be a trap game. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I yeah. mean, with Baltimore coming up, you know, yep. after the, the tight win last week, too, for Pittsburgh. So, you know, to come in the Dallas game. So, for them mm-hmm. to come out, you know, and put the shellacking on just goes to show how focused this team is right now. Yeah. Um, this defense, obviously, is playing on another level. Um, mm-hmm. I, you can't even go to speak about how well they're playing. Yeah. Um, and then offensively, you know, I mean, they're really getting things rolling. You know, Ben Roethlisberger looks comfortable in the pocket. You know, yeah. obviously, Juju Smith-Schuster, you know, James Conner, my guy, Chase Claypool. You know, I mean, he's... Four catches, 59 yards. Yeah, a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're just really clicking on all cylinders. I mean, yeah. it's hard to say that they're going to lose a game because of how well they look in these games. Yeah. I mean, because even as poorly as they played in the Dallas game. And, yeah. I mean, I will honestly say that that was probably their worst performance. Mm-hmm. They still pulled out a win, mm-hmm. you know. So it's like it's hard to see where this team's going to slip. It's it, it's real hard, and I mean, I'm looking at the rest of their schedule. They've got Baltimore coming up this Thursday on Thanksgiving. After that, they've got so Baltimore. Yeah, maybe you never know. Division rival. Uh, after that, they've got Washington at home. Probably a win there. Uh, after that, uh, week 14, they travel up to Buffalo and play the Bills on Sunday Night Football. 
who's to say uh after that week 15 they travel out to cincinnati and play the bengals on monday night football no uh joe burrows yeah that's probably a win probably a win uh week 16 they stay at home and play the indianapolis colts you never know uh and then weeks uh, 17 they are uh traveling up to cleveland and playing the browns i will say this to quickly interject baltimore will give them a challenge this week oh yeah the Bills will give them a challenge as well. Not saying it as a homer pick, but the Bills will step up for that. Oh, game. yeah. Oh, yeah. Sunday Night Football, absolutely. And I will say Indianapolis could be a trap game for him as well because Indianapolis has the, I believe, third-ranked defense in all the NFL. Yeah, something like They're that. They're quietly deceptive about that. Yeah, and I know Baltimore's had a rough couple of weeks, but let's not forget they did play them uh, week eight where they uh, the Steelers only won by four points. Yeah, yeah. So that being said, you have to really admire what the Steelers are doing. Yeah. Roth- Roethlisberger is healthy, and, yeah. that's, and that's the key thing, too. Yeah. He hasn't taken any really bad hits this year, and he's been able to implement his offense. And even though this game did look like a trap game, and i got to admit, the first series in that first quarter, mm-hmm. I thought they were going to be in trouble. I really did. Jacksonville yeah. came up ready to play. But then Pittsburgh did what Pittsburgh does best, punch teams in the mouth, mm-hmm. and they never let up. I mean, kudos to Mike Tomlin. I, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't think he gets enough credit for getting his teams ready mm-hmm. to play, and especially for this team to go and really do it without any real superstars. So to speak. No. I mean, when Smith-Schuster is supposed to be your superstar guy, only yeah. four receptions, 19 yards. Yeah. But you're having a wide receiver core of Johnson, Claypool, and Ebram step it up. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a team that just has a different look and feel to them. Well, and I think you got to give some credit to the offensive line, too, because uh, for the game, Roethlisberger didn't get sacked. Uh, looking at his stats, uh, as we record, in 10 games played, he has only gotten sacked 10 times. Now, That's ridiculous. Which is ridiculous. Now, uh, can't really count last year because last year is technically his lowest uh total number of times sacked, but that's because he only played two games. Yeah, he was hurt. Yeah. But uh, for his career, uh, his lowest total number of sacks for a season was back in 2016 where he got sacked 17 times in 14 games. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, the offensive line's holding up, and, you know, they're able to, to give him time and space. And, I mean, Ben, obviously, you know, if he's not having to avoid a rush and everything like that, I mean, mm-hmm. you can say that about every quarterback. I mean, as long as they don't have to, to take on a pass rush, you know, they can win games. It's mm-hmm. just yeah. a matter of, yeah. you know, can you keep your quarterback on his feet and stuff, and that's what they're doing right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're doing it definitely. And this is something we don't really see from Roethlisberger, too, because he's known for scrambling and yeah. making those last-second yep. yeah. throws. Yep. He's now having time in the pocket. This right. is a scary team when you really break it down. Uh-huh. Because if they can stop a great defensive rush, and not saying Jacksonville, I'm just saying when you look at the other teams in the league. Mm-hmm. The way they're handling defensive pressure is something truly to admire. So for Pittsburgh, I'm not saying they it's out of the realm of thought to run the table. They're going to have three games on that docket that I think that will give them fits. Cleveland, I don't know at the end of the season. I mean, that could be something if they want to sit starters after the first yeah. series, but it's also division. Yeah. I mean, it, I don't think Pittsburgh's ever been in this position to have that choice to sit and, no. and worry about that. No, it's the same a choice the Patriots had to make uh, in 07 going into the final week of the year against the Giants. Right, but I know with Belichick, I know that that drive was there. Oh, yeah. So, But with Pittsburgh, I don't, I'm don't. i going to say maybe. I, no, I, they'll sit. I, they'll I, sit. I, I There's no way. Sit. Yeah. There, I, you can't. 
I mean, they're they're already you know the def- the as good as you know we're complimenting the defense. They've already had some pretty big injuries it's on true. the defensive line. Yeah. You know, uh, the one uh, outside linebacker is out for the season. Yeah. Um. You know, and then the last thing they need you know is to lose like a. I mean, even though Snell plays well, uh, you know, to lose a Connor or, or you know a Juju, even you know even with how good Claypool's playing, you know, lose one of these guys, even if they're only in the reserve or role player type situation, would be catastrophic for this team. No, I agree with you. That's. Yeah. Like said like this team has a different mentality than a Belichick one sure so I could definitely see it like I said it's it's 50 50 but I just I wonder how they're going to react if they get that far like if it's 16 and 0 yeah and 15 and 0 like what are they going to actually start doing that's going to be the tricky part mm-hmm. I mean obviously we're kind of really looking into the future about this but it's not out of the realm of thought no and then to flip the coin Jacksonville they are still in the tank for Trevor race yeah yep. uh, one and nine back in it I'm hoping they they pull it off at the end Obviously, they got some competition going for it, but I mean, Jacksonville is what Jacksonville is. I they're yeah, <laughs> they're, they're bad. They're real bad. They're not Jets bad, but they're bad. No, they're, they're yeah, they're on the conversation, but they don't take the crown. No, I'm, I'm sorry. There's nothing else you really need to say about that. Mm-hmm. Coach had a duck out for a second. He has a little phone call to take, so I will continue on with the show. So next up, Pad. Yeah, he chose the Cincinnati Bengals to defeat the uh, Washington as his leap, uh, and unfortunately, that did not happen. Washington winning by the final score of twenty to nine. But of course, that's not the main story. Uh, Alex Smith had seventeen of twenty five for one hundred and sixty six yards passing, uh, one touchdown, one interception. Joe Burrow twenty two of thirty four for two hundred and three yards passing, one touchdown no interceptions but of course the story is the nasty 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 injury that joe burrow took during the game uh which i gotta admit i saw i was not watching games live i was out at my girlfriend's for her mom's birthday saw about it on twitter dug up a video had flashbacks of tom brady in 08 mm. so i saw that and i'm like yeah this ain't good uh but as we found out what was it today yesterday Yesterday, Yesterday. as we we record, it was an ACL tear, MCL tear, among various other structural injuries to the knee. Yeah, thoughts and prayers going out to Joe about that Uh one, because that injury looked horrific when it happened. Yeah, like I said, as a Patriots fan, and I'm sure any other Patriots fans or fans that were watching that game uh, back in 2008 would know, I had a lot of flashbacks to Brady's injury. Oh, he definitely looked a lot like it. A little little different in that, you know, in this case, it was the defender falling into uh, or getting knocked into Burrow's leg, whereas with Brady it was the guy getting up and then falling. So, but still nasty injury, right? And obviously, when that happened, the game shifted. Yep. And and I got to say, I did like the moment between what was it, Chase Young, mm-hmm. and 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 Burrow, kind of like that head to head, like, hey, you know, thinking about you, prayers with you moment. That was cool. Yeah, Dwayne Haskins came out too, and yep. and I, I thought it was it was a very nice gesture by them to come out yeah. and really check because obviously nobody wants to see an injury no, like that. No, and, especially one like this. Uh, from what Adam Schefter was saying on Facebook that. You know, at minimum, you're looking at nine to 12 months recovery time. And now, obviously, everyone recovers differently. So it could be a little less than that. It could be a little more than that. I'm willing to bet it'll be on the more end of things just because he's their number one overall draft pick. It's in his rookie year. This is the future of your franchise. You do not want to screw this kid up. No, they definitely will sit him. In fact, I don't even make yeah. a, uh, I don't even want to say like a bold prediction because I'm thinking that they will take their time. I would not doubt, I would not doubt him missing all of next year. I would imagine too, they call up Washington or Alex Smith and say, who did you go to for your leg injury? Oh yeah, I think they're definitely call, call up, around. call up and say, hey, who'd you see? I would, in fact, I wouldn't now doubt that they reach out to him personally. Like, yeah. Alex, oh yeah. yeah oh I, yeah. I think they're going to definitely. Oh do yeah. Because obviously, with tearing that much, I mean, that was just a crushing blow to the Bengals, and mm-hmm. obviously that they are in a rebuilding phase yep. of the franchise. So yep. you knew this was going to be a tough battle uphill. Even Washington and how bad the NFC East is. 
this was still going to be a tough game for him. Mm-hmm. But to Cincinnati's credit, they did show up. They were trying to make something happen. Yeah. Washington was just applying their will on him. I mean, Alex Smith manages games like no other. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, it's not a knock against him. That's what he does. No. He's not going to win a shootout against the team. He's going to definitely just manage a game. Their defense looked really good. Oh, I mean, yeah. That defense is silently good. Yeah. And I didn't realize that. Well, that's like a typical Ron Rivera team, though. Oh, yeah. That you really don't have a big-name player, so to speak. I mean, obviously, when it was in Carolina, you had Keekley sure. at one point. Sure. And, and obviously, when Josh Norman was, you know, noteworthy yeah. Josh Norman. Yeah. It's a lot different with that. So, but for this team, they definitely put up some stats. Chase Young obviously helps. Oh yeah, so, no, yeah, that that helps a lot. Yeah, so the, obviously they have they had some work to do, and they definitely are going to scrap with teams. It's not going to be a pretty thing, but yeah. obviously they are showing up for games. And with taking a look at what they have on offense, Anthony Gibson or Antonio Gibson rather had a good game, ninety four yards and a touchdown. So yeah, so they were implementing some t- typical Carolina offense. I want to say because mm-hmm. think about what Ron Rivera does with the team. This is kind of his his mo. He does yeah. a strong running game. Does a lot of few passes here and there. Yeah. And with Alex Smith, that's all you really need to ask of him, and he'll keep you in games. And like I said, Cincinnati definitely wasn't the same team once Burrow went down. So no, and I mean, I'm looking at their depth chart. Ryan Finley is currently listed as their uh, number one starting quarterback, uh, drafted out of NC State in 2019 in the fourth round uh, for his career. Where is it? Oh, there it is. Uh, for his career, he has completed 44 passes on 97 attempts for 504 yards, two touchdowns, three interceptions. So not the worst stats in the world, you know, but I wouldn't be surprised if they go out there and sign somebody off a practice squad or maybe look at a free agent. Yeah, they're definitely looking for some depth. Yeah. So they're going to have some work to do in the offseason. Like I said, Cincinnati, yeah. we knew they weren't expected to go for the playoffs. And no. obviously no. this is a crushing blow, but I'm just hoping for Burrow. He can come back healthy and strong whenever he does, if it's next season or one more season away. Mm-hmm. Because obviously that's a horrible injury that you want to see happen to uh, any player. So we're just hoping he kind of rebounds very, very quickly. Absolutely. And, you know, we'll see what happens. And for Washington. Kudos to your pass defense. I will say that. Just because, yeah. like, I can't sing enough praises about that because I didn't realize. Washington's kind of, like, quiet. They're, they're not that good, so you don't really hear much about them. But it was a couple of weeks ago. I, for, I forget when. I was looking at making some moves with my team for fantasy and looking at, you know, the little the little updates and little info they give you with the Yahoo uh, fantasy. And I, know, I forget who it was, but it was one of the guys. And I'm like, oh, they're going up against Washington. This should be pretty good. And I'm reading the little blurb. And it's like, oh, yeah, you know, he had a, this, this receiver had a really great week last week with like, you know, six, seven catches and 90 something yards. I was like, but the, you would think that he'd have similar success this week going up against Washington. But Washington's got like one of the top five pass defenses or something absurd in the NFL. Yeah, they're deceptively good. About oh, yeah. That. Deceptively. Yeah. And like I say, they're going to definitely hang and scrap in the NFC East. So it's anybody's division, no mm-hmm. matter how bad it is. I can't stress about how bad that division is. I can fully anticipate that division just as bad as it is. That Normally with all, some divisions, you come to the last week of the year, and it's like two teams are in it, but you need like nine different scenarios or something crazy to play out for to figure out who it is. I wouldn't be surprised if we get to the end of the season and there's three teams that could win it and a bonkers-type scenario needs to happen. Yeah, so we'll just kind of have to wait and see about that. Yep. Now going to my locks and leaps. They didn't burn you on this week on your lock. Son of a bitch, they didn't. They normally burn you when you pick them. The Los Angeles Chargers. Goal, Chargers, goal. Won a game that I was hoping they lost. Like, I'll be honest with you. In the course of the ODPH, you have heard me pick the Chargers to go to the playoffs, Mm -hmm. to win games. They're really good. Yeah. Yet they find ways to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. You're notorious for saying it, you know, that you never choose the Chargers because every time you do, they burn you on it. 
Right. And the only reason that I took him this week, and, and this is no lie, mm-hmm. I was hoping they, they screwed up. I was willing to screw up that point because, damn it, I need the Jets to win a freaking game. It ain't going to happen. Because I don't want to see Trevor Lawrence in a Jets uniform. I don't think he's gonna. I don't think he's gonna let that happen. I well, anything is possible. But Pat, why don't you hit him with that stats? Yeah. So the Chargers won by the final score of thirty-four to twenty-eight. Justin Herbert, uh, thirty-seven of forty-nine for three hundred and sixty-six yards passing, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, and then Joe Flacco, fifteen of thirty for two hundred and five yards passing, two touchdowns, one interception. Let us just focus on the positives about this. Justin Herbert is the real deal. Yeah. He is setting rookie records, and especially for coming in late, uh-huh. not being the season starter, uh-huh. he is the real deal. The Chargers finally got their franchise guy. Oh, yeah. I am fully comfortable saying that. Their running game is atrocious. Oof. Yeah. That I thought Joshua Kelly would be a prominent player in this mix. No, he's not. No. Callum Ballage. He's not the guy either. Nope. I'm sorry. Nope. I am not seeing any flashes of anything on the running game. Yeah. So now we're going to the Arizona-style offense, which is just pass every down. You know what? <laughs> Go ahead and do it, young it's, man. It's working because, like you said, he came in late. Uh, he's only played nine games this far, and thus far he has 2,699 yards passing, which is good for ninth in the league. 22 touchdowns, which is tied for 6th in the league, and only 6 interceptions, which is tied for 13th in the league, and he has a QBR of 71.8, which is 14th in the league. Keenan Allen had 16 receptions. Which is bonkers. Just put that in perspective. I don't think he ever did that when Phillip Rivers was there. And that's, no. not, that's not a knock on Rivers, but just, just to kind of like paint that picture. 16 receptions for 145 yards. He averaged 9.1 yards per catch. That, that is God. huge. That is huge. And Mike Williams, remember him? Yeah. Four catches, 72 yards. I mean, I realize the Jets' secondary was bad, but damn. Yeah. Ballage had seven catches. Tyron Johnson, one catch, 54 yards. I'm sitting here going, who the fuck is Tyron Johnson? The only thing that I will say for the Jets is... You scored points? You put points on the board. I don't even know how. Frank Gore, well, Frank Gore was at least seven of them. He had 15 carries for 61 yards and one touchdown, all of, you know, 196 years old. Yeah, but after that, like, how bad did the Jargers take that game off? They must have must have been eating some butterfingers or something. Oh my god, caught napping. That's the only thing I can come up with that Think defense. Th- sitting there, you know, hike the ball. What do I want to do for dinner? Oh shit! It was something because obviously the Jets should nowhere. No god, near, near close. On I, this. And I and I get that the the Chargers defense isn't exactly like you know lights out or what you would see from like the all mad defense, yeah. defense team, but it's the Jets for God's sake. Their their leading rusher week in and week out is a is two hundred and ninety eight year old Frank Gore. You know they they got no they got nobody on the receiving core. Yeah, they got Brashard Perriman, but not exactly striking fear into me or making me go, oh, I got to pick that guy up on waiver wire, Joe Flacco or Joe Flacco or no Joe Flacco. Wow. And then they got Jamison Crowder, which, again, it's Jamison Crowder. I'm not exactly looking at the waiver wire, seeing if he's available this week. Yeah, this is absolutely insane for me. Like, just how well the Chargers play on offense, their defense can't keep them in games. No. Honestly, next year's draft, defense. I would go all defense and find a running back. Yeah. That that would be the only thing I'm going to say if if – they still have the same coaching staff. That's all you need to do. Their record is not the true reflection of that team. Mm-hmm. They should be on the plus side of yeah. the win column. They should be, I mean, obviously, you can make an argument they should be in second place in the AFC yeah. West. Yeah. You can really make yeah. that argument. And with Herbert there, this is a good growing pains year because now the pressure is off. Mm-hmm. If you win a game, it's 
you know, just a feather in your cap. Uh-huh. Because, like, for how bad your opponents are playing, yeah. and like I said, with the Jets, because yeah. they haven't exactly had too many tough games, but they have hung with the teams that they, oh, sure. they should have ran them sure. out of the field. Sure, The Chargers are looking like a real team. Herbert yeah. is the real deal. I'm eating my words about him because I know I was yeah. on, I was sure. very much on the fence about him when he was coming in the league. Sure. Man, what else can you say about this kid is going to be rookie of the year? He's going to be good. He should win rookie of the year. But like you said, San Diego, or San Diego the Chargers got to fix that defense because I'm looking at their record. Uh, they've held opponents to under 20 points only twice this year. Uh, first one was week one against Cincinnati where they uh, gave up 13 points. Uh, and then the other instance was week three where Carolina put up 16 on them. Every other game this year, their opponent has put up 20 points or more. Yeah, you ain't gonna win games if you you got your defense is giving up twenty points a, uh, or more a game. Right. So obviously it's an uphill battle, but this one they they held on and won, which like I said, son of a gun. I meant to say son of a gun earlier. Apologize for my little outburst there, but my plan of the Jets getting a win has failed. It ain't happening. They're gonna go zero sixteen. They might go zero sixteen two years in a row. Oh, this it, it's gonna be so bad because there's there's no damn way Trevor Lawrence is coming out of college to go to the Jets. I, I will. I tell you what, if he stays at Clemson. I, or yeah, it's Clemson. Yeah, it's Clemson. Yeah, sorry. Like now, I'm, I'm all I'm all distraught because my master plan of him going to the Jets, you know, staying away from the Jets is like now in, in peril. If he stays at Clemson, I'll buy a Clemson jersey. <laughs> I'll do it. Damn it. Okay. You have me on record. If okay. he sta- if he stays, if he's like, no, I'm not going to the Jets. I will buy a Clemson jersey. I'll make that happen. All right, next up on the docket. I don't get too worked up about this. Yeah, so then for your leap, you chose the – who the hell was Oh, it was Green Bay no, because, you know right. what, I you know Aaron Rodgers. Yep. I, I was listening to JVD from Villains the Man. Shout out, you know, cr- crossover collision. Mm-hmm. I was with him on this because it's Aaron Rodgers taking on Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. It is the Aaron Rodgers mm-hmm. against Phillip Rivers. So mm-hmm. if I'm going to go in a shootout, I'm taking Rodgers. Yeah. And what happened? Uh, Indianapolis ended up squeaking out a win by the final score of 34-31 to 31 in overtime. Uh, Phillip Rivers, 24 of 36 for 288 yards passing, three touchdowns, one interception. A.A. Ron Rodgers had 27 of 38 for 311 yards passing, three touchdowns, one interception. I just want to say at halftime this game was 28-14. to 14. Uh-huh. So the fact that the Packers decided to blow this lead, yep. kudos to the to, – yeah, I almost said the Chargers because I want to say Phillip Rivers. Kudos to the Colts. I will say this. Phillip Rivers, even at this declining stage, is still a competent quarterback mm-hmm. and will keep you in games. Obviously throwing for 288 and 3, I'll take that any day. As a, as a, as a team, you want to see that point production. He definitely kept him in. Mm-hmm. Jonathan Taylor for him. Finally awoken, 22 carries, finally. Yeah. Because I know that they've had a running back by committee. So to see them get in there and obviously claw their way back, even though Aaron Rodgers had some luck in that fourth quarter sure, to get him there, but then a very costly fumble in overtime cost yep. him the game. Yep. This was a good heavyweight bout, but I would say this. If I'm the Packers, your problem yet again is your defense – even though you're seven and three, Aaron Rodgers is that good? He'll win you that many games. Well, I mean, defense isn't that great, but how the hell do you stop a kicker nailing one 
nailing like four field goals or something bizarre like that. Because you look at uh, Rodrigo Blankenship, who was the Colts kicker, nailed a 37-yard field goal in the third quarter to make it 28-17. Uh, after that, uh, Rivers had a touchdown pass to make it 28-25 uh, Green Bay. Then you go into the fourth quarter, Blankenship had a 32-yard field goal to make it 28-28. Then Blankenship nailed a 43-yard field goal to make it 31-28 Indianapolis. Crosby nailed a 26-yarder of his own to tie it up, but then you get into overtime, and Blankenship nailed a 39-yard field goal to win it 34-31. So, I mean, yeah, Rivers kept you in the game, and he moved the ball, but God damn, your kicker won you that game. When a kicker is out on a manic. What else are you going to do? Uh, predicting it now, Rodrigo Blankenship is going to go from like probably high 80s, low 90s uh, available in fantasy leagues to like below 10. It probably will happen, but that's the one thing scary about NFL kickers. Streaky. Uh-huh. Very few times do you have a consistent kicker. Yep. I Don't ask me how. Don't ask me why because I can't explain it. But for Green Bay, they'll bounce back from this, obviously. Sure, Aaron Rodgers sure. does not have, like, a slump, and he'll keep in games. No. Like I said, I figured he would tear apart this in the Oh, you would Cold think, defense. yeah. And even so, with it being the third-ranked defense, it didn't matter. No. But the fact you put up 28 points in the first half mm-hmm. and then took the foot off the gas and let Indianapolis claw back, yeah. and granted, their kicker caught fire. Not going to take anything away from that. No fire. But at the same time, you should have iced that game. Yeah. It should have been a wrap before Good you got Lord. to the fourth quarter. Good Lord. But Four or five for uh, 80% uh, kicking completion. Longest of 43, two for two on extra points. Good God, that is money for fantasy. And now Indianapolis is seven and three. Which is just wild. Well, you know, that's the thing about that AFC South that we all thought Houston was going to make a run. I know Tennessee was it's in true. that discussion. But, yeah. And we all said the Colts were going to contend. I never saw him being this good. Uh-huh. Indianapolis no. currently in first place, and I believe that's because they beat the Titans in a game yep. earlier this season. Uh, then you got the Houston Texans in third place at three and seven, and then the Jaguars. Yeah, enough said there. Uh-huh. So let's go to our two minute drill. Yeah, no, a bunch of good games. I think we got to talk about uh, one of my favorite games to watch. At least I got a little bit of uh, enjoyment enjoyment out of this is uh, that old Tampa Bay Buccaneers game. Oh, and, and, and some certain former uh, New England Patriots quarterback uh, snubbing Jared Goff. The floor is yours, my friend. Oof, let's talk about that game. Uh, I I will admit uh, I picked the Buccaneers to win this one in our locks and leaps uh, online league because I figured out oh, it's the Rams, but it's Brady and that that offensive line man he looked bad he looked old he looked now not not the whole double pass thing notwithstanding because i will admit that was bonkers yeah you know he looked he looked bad and how many times is arian's gonna call up a downfield pass like he can't do it anymore the problem with tampa bay is arians and brady are not on the same page nope and what everybody fails to realize is Tom Brady is how old? 41, 42. Exactly. He is not the Tom Brady in his prime. You got an aging quarterback that no matter what he wants to tell you, father time is gaining on him. Mm-hmm. This Tom Brady that we are seeing in Tampa Bay, and you can call this a hot take, you can call this whatever you want, this reminds me of Peyton Manning's last season in Denver. And I think Arians is kind of planning, at least thinking with that in mind, because he did uh, have some quotes uh, where he said, quote, we have Tom calling a lot of his own plays or picking his own on the sidelines from the game plan. Uh, this is uh, he said that he's on Tuesday. Uh, I don't think it's a confidence problem whatsoever. It's not a lack of trust. It's a lack of continuity within the offense of the whole picture. Close quote. 
he's shifting blame. He's saying, listen, it's not my fault we're not doing well. Tom's picking a lot of his own plays. He, he's kind of constructing that back door that doesn't exist for if they decide to move on from Tom Brady, and Lord, that'd be wild if that happens, that he can go, listen, hey, it wasn't my fault we played poorly. I wasn't calling the plays. I, I will say another bold prediction. I think there is a very toxic environment with Tampa Bay. I want the there with all the goddamn tell-all articles and books that were written about his time with the Patriots. I want I want on this, damn it! Oh, this whole season, and I know that we have only gotten to have you know the midway point if we're counting playoffs and everything. Mm-hmm. This is just one of the most toxic uh-huh. to to me, just sitting on the outside between yeah. her, to coach and player. Oh yeah. Because everybody's pointing fingers at everybody. And as somebody who got to watch and root for Tom Brady, and don't get me wrong, I want the guy to do well, but part of me is spiteful. You know, No, just, you can be spiteful. Just because, you know, human nature. You know, having watched him and seen this, you as much as I think Tom wants to prove that, oh, listen, yeah, Belichick helped, but it was me more than Belichick, I think it's getting shown otherwise. I listen, yeah, you're good. Yeah, you're one of the best of all time. Stats and the accolades show that, but you're only as good as the person calling plays. Yeah. And he just, and, and Arians obviously is no Bill Belichick, but I think it's just showing that, yeah, you can you can take the great quarterback and put him in another system. It don't mean you're going to win. No, it definitely doesn't mean you're going to win, especially at his age. And that's the thing, when they signed him for this deal, mm-hmm. and I'm not going to be mad about him getting his money. No. He took enough deal-friendly teams for for New England over the years. Sure. I I'm not going to be mad about him. Sure. Go get your money. Sure. But at the same time, I said on here they weren't going to win that division. Mm-hmm. I said they might get a wild card. Mm-hmm. Because they are too loaded to be putting in poor performances like this, let alone the Rams – who knows what team you're going to get oh, each yeah. week? Oh, you yeah. want to talk about inconsistency teams? Yeah. This team, seriously, flip a coin. Yeah. And heads they show up, tails they don't. That is your probability with this team. Whatever it lands on, that is what they're going to get because yeah. they have no consistency. As yeah. a playoff team, if they get in there, I would say they're going to be one and done because oh, yeah. I have no faith in them. No, and and the thing with the with the Buccaneers is you fear Brady come in, be money and fire. This season, uh, and they showed this stat on on Monday Night Football in primetime this year, he's got a record of one and three, five touchdowns, five interceptions. I dare you to find a time in the twenty years he was with New England that he ever had that record in primetime. He, he's overcompensating and it's showing because now he's feeling the pressure. Mm-hmm. Because let's face it, he's having that drop off. Yeah, yeah. I am more evident about it. I'm not going to sit here and even if he has a next week a five touchdown game, I'm still going to come on here and say it's a wrap. Mm-hmm. Father time is caught up to him. He's not the same guy. He's hitting that point that every athlete hits at some point in their career, and that's the fall off. I mean, with baseball, you know, I, can, I remember with CC Sabathia, Sabathia's big thing used to be fastball. He's great fastball, but he hit that point where he couldn't throw his fastball as fast as he used to, so he had to switch to other things and off speed. You saw it with all the great pitchers. Mm-hmm. You know, Tom Brady, same thing. Yeah, he used to be able to throw a deep ball with the rest of them. High at 2007 was one of the most bonker years I've ever seen for a deep pass. Yes. First game against with the Jets with Randy Moss. Hello. You know, but you just can't throw the deep ball anymore. So if you if it, if Arians is right, and now we're now granted we're only getting one side of the story. Tom ain't saying anything, and you know he's not going to say anything. No, he's not going to say nothing. But you know, but if it is true that if Tom is picking his own plays and calling them from the sidelines and saying we're going to run X, Y, and Z, I think you need to because we all know and we've all heard about his work ethic and how much film he watches. Oh, sure. And and first in, last out. You need to really look at the tape or get somebody to 
to whether it's your trainer or somebody in your camp, you need somebody to sit you down and go, listen, my guy, you can't throw the deep ball as you as far as you used to anymore. Yeah. Save it in your back pocket for a you know you need a, a pass. You need to get down deep at the end of a crunch time, but you need to draw up some other stuff. Yeah, and obviously this team is going to be this polarizing going forward. Mm-hmm. If they get into the playoffs, they'll backdoor it in. Because yeah, it'll, 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 they'll fall into it. Yeah, you have to look at it because, honestly, seeing how toxic this team is looking, mm-hmm. I'm out. Like I'm saying, they're going to be one and done. I would not doubt they'd be one and done in the playoffs. Yeah. Whatever seeding they're Yeah, because uh, currently, as we record, they're currently the sixth seed in the NFC Conference ahead with, of the Arizona Cardinals by one game. And I see the Cardinals taking that position, too. Uh-huh. I mean, because obviously they're going to be doing the seventh seed seeding this year. So yep. anything is possible. I, yeah. would, I would not doubt them making the playoffs. They're no. missing it. I would not doubt no. them missing it at all. So let me go to my recap game because the Bills did not play. This is true. But there was a team that showed up mm-hmm. that everybody was anointing. It's two a time. Oh, check your watches. Uh, We're 3-0. and oh. The thoughts, views, and opinions upcoming are that of Ken M. and don't necessarily reflect that of the ODPH. Listener discretion is advised. So Denver, I wish we could play some young Jeezy because I know the Drew Locke listens to him on the sidelines. Uh-huh. Because the Broncos did what the Broncos do. They beat rookie quarterbacks. Drew Locke, 270. Mm-hmm. Melvin Gordon, 84, touch, or 84 yards, two touchdowns. And you know what? Tua, let us talk about you, Mr. Tua. Well, so I had to find it there for a moment. Yeah, only uh, 11 of 20 for 83 yards passing, uh, one touchdown, no interception, sacked six times. Yes, he got benched. Why would you bench him if he's your guy? Mm-hmm. You you pulled Ryan Fitzpatrick. Oh, 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 Fitzmagic, you, you know. You pulled him. Yep. And everybody's saying, well, two is 3-0. and oh, oh, he's a starter. He's this. No. That defense played over its head for three games. Mm-hmm. You scored how many points yep. based off it? I want to say 28. Oh, yeah. It was something like that where they went in against the Rams and they put, and everyone's anointing him. Oh, greatest quarterback since Dan Marino. Yeah, listen, guys. You kind of put up a lot of points because Jared Goff had an anomaly of a first half. Exactly. Tua has not been lighting up the stats. Mm-hmm. He hasn't thrown for more than 200 yards. Yeah. Not even. I, I think the most he's thrown is 160. No, uh, he put up 248 against Arizona uh, the week prior. All right, then I stand corrected because you know what? I but that was a shootout. That was the, the Miami won 34-31. Okay. That was a shootout. So I'll, I'll take that one back because I, other than that game yeah no it was it was 93 against the charger yeah or no the Rams. excuse me uh that was his first game uh then he had 248 up against the cardinals uh and then 169 against the chargers okay so 169 was what stuck out against the chargers so he had 83 yards against this team Mm -hmm. and he was pulled yep pulled yep i'm sorry i just made the mic pop because now i'm getting amped up about this at halftime it was 13 to 10. Yep, you're still in it. You're still in that game. Yeah. And then even when Denver scored in the third quarter. It was only seven points. It's only seven. Yeah. And you pull your guy. Yep. The anointed franchise of your quarterback. After you've already sat Ryan Fitzpatrick, who got you in that position. And granted, I understand it's Fitzmagic. Trust me. He's been my quarterback at times, too. He's gone three-quarters of the way around that uh, carousel up in the AFC East. Exactly. 
But you pulled him when you were winning. Yeah. Because you went all in. You said, nope, we're go- we're doing two. We got to know him before we do our draft picks. Yeah. Whatever kind of nonsense you said. Yeah. And yet you yank him in a close game and you don't give him the chance to win. And you're trying to tell me he's cool with this and the confidence is still there? Yeah. I'm sorry. This has got to be a slap in the face. I would be losing this right now. Mm-hmm. And you can hear my voice because all I've been hearing from Dolphins fans is, oh, two is our guy. It's two a time. Check your watches. Yeah. The glass at all of a cup of coffee. Exactly. And granted, I know he's got his starting role back this coming week. Congratulations. But the fact that they pulled you in a close game and didn't give you that chance to win? Yeah. You had to go to Fitzmagic? Yeah, he effectively doubled his total number of sacks for the year. He's at sitting at 10 sacks for the season, So, and he had six in this game alone. Yeah, I understand Denver's defense was playing lights out. But that's a, there's no Von Miller on that defense. Exactly. They stepped up and punched you in the mouth, and you had no response, Miami. None. So you went back to Fitzmagic, who almost won you the game. Oh, yeah. I'll give you that. He, yeah. he, got, you, he got you back in it. Oh, yeah. But what kind of message is this that you're sending your team? And now that you already said, well, two is coming back. So you sat your young quarterback after you thrusted him in there. He won a shootout against Arizona, yeah. which I'll give him that. Sure. I, I will give him that. Even though their defense is up into that one, he still threw against Arizona. But sure. again, Arizona's secondary, with the exception of Baker and uh, Patrick Peterson, is garbage. Mm-hmm. Sorry, just going to be honest about that. You're going to tell me that the guy that threw for 200 plus yards in that game, a buck 60 against the Chargers, he went to Denver, got punched in the mouth, and you yank him? Yeah. How? What logic is this? You know, say you look at his stats: uh, 60 of 97 for 602 yards, uh, six touchdowns, zero interceptions. He's averaging 6.2 yards per pass. His longest is for 35 yards, and he's fumbled the ball once. So. You yank your guy, you don't give him a chance to win to get those learning experiences. Okay, and you wonder why I sit on here and rip you each and every week. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not saying this just because I'm a Bills fan, but granted, there is a little motivation to say it. But I'm looking at this team and just the puzzling moves you guys are doing. It, it, it makes no goddamn sense because, like you said, they weren't exactly getting blown out at halftime so there was really it's not even like you can say oh we were getting blown out we wanted to protect our franchise and not get them hurt and you have some freak injury and, and screw up our future i would understand that i would be like no i get that i i fully endorse that sure fine but like you said the score was only well, what did you say it was 14 to 13 or whatever the hell it was it was 13 to 10 at halftime yeah and then you throw another seven on it yeah so that's 20 yeah to so, so yeah, so you pull. I just don't get it. I don't get it either because here's the major problem with that. You now are going to send him against the Jets. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's division game. Am I saying the Jets are going to win? Oh God, I hope so. Oh my God, I hope so. But if that team shuts down Tua, and we have spoken on this show numerous times, hell, you just heard us a, a segment ago. Or mm-hmm. a little portion ago, mm-hmm. ripping them a new one for being the worst team in the NFL. If the Jets knock Tua down a peg, I'm not saying take him out of the game. I'm not going to say that, but let's say they have a, a 10-3 lead on him at halftime. Yeah, it's the same scenario. Are you going to pull Tua against the Jets? And if you do. What is the message you send them? Sure. I, I mean, listen, I 
I realize Brian Flores is a former New England guy, but I got to question what the fuck he's doing because you he had a quote uh, why they he kind of explained why they benched Tua. Uh, he said, "quote Tua wasn't injured. We just felt like it was the best move at that point of the game. We had to get in two minute mode, and we felt like Fitzpatrick gave us the best chance to win the game, and we had an opportunity at the end to tie it." Close quote. Uh, Flores said. So okay, that was the move you had to make at the time. It was twenty to ten. Yeah. Like, if anything, I leave him in there, and you want to give him a teaching moment, have him try and make that comeback. He's going to have to do it at some point. Yeah, now where are you going to say every time it's close, you're going to pull him? I hope this week is close. I am going to go out on a limb. I hope it's like a 10-7 game. Let me look and see what the line is. I, I want to say it's 7 for Miami, even though they're going to the Jets. I seriously hope it's a close game because if you really want to say you're sticking by your guy and that's my quarterback, Miami – you have to let him in and finish. But the fact you didn't do it against Denver? I'm sorry, it's Denver. Yeah. Going into this week, they were 3-6. and six. So you sat him? Yeah, I'm, uh, yeah, you're right. Currently it is 7, but I'm going to keep an eye on that line just because oh. I, I get the feeling it's going to get a little closer. Oh, I, no. I, you know what? In fact, I think people are going to start dumping more money on Miami probably. Could you, be. You'll see, that, you'll see how that line grow. I will say it'll, it'll get to 9. Okay. I, I would say Owen down the 9 spot hitting okay. that. But I'm still saying. The fact you made this move, he wasn't injured, you didn't give him that time to learn. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry, everything can't be all roses. You're going to have to pull some weeds sometime uh-huh. to make sure that garden is looking great. The fact you yanked him out yeah. was a bad, bad look. And listen, I'm not rooting against him. I think the fact that he's back in the playing football after that bad injury in Alabama, more power to him. Uh-huh. But the one thing that we've always said on the show is you really have to let him play and you have to make sure he's healthy. Physically, he's in the games. Oh yeah, but this and is you, and and you got to let a young quarterback take his lumps. He's got to have those bad losses, yeah, and those bad experiences and those bad games to kind of build from and go from there. But if you're going to protect and coddle him and, and pull him out, so oh he doesn't get hurt, oh he doesn't you know feel bad this and that, like he ain't going to learn anything from it. Yeah. So, <laughs> J E T S just 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 next week. Let's see what you got, Miami, because you know what? I hope you have another misstep. So this becomes a very bad learning experience for you, so you don't do this to your rookie quarterback anymore. you got to let him take those lumps. I'm sorry, you have to. Yeah. Every other team does. I mean, it's not like to say, all right, it's a close game. Fitzmagic was going to do it. You've already sat him, so he's been cold for three games. Right. No sense whatsoever. None. (sighs) You feel better? Yeah, I do, actually, because all I've been hearing from Miami fans is two a time. Check your watches. And granted, I will give you the time next week because the Bills are going to be playing the Chargers. I'll have time to talk next week. And But let's talk on social media, shall we? Hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. Week 11 of the NFL is in the books. How's your team doing? Let us talk. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Are you tired of watching the same old awesome movies? Are B-movies more your style? Then the folks over at They Call This a Movie have you covered. Join us every Thursday as we review the worst of the worst in sci-fi, action, comedy, and more. We are available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Podbean at theycalledthisamovie.podbean.com. They called this a movie, testing the strength of friendships, one terrible movie at a time. This is Rich, the host of the Three Fat Nerds podcast and co-host of the Horizon 607 podcast. And you are listening to our hashtag 607 podcast brothers, the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. Now kick it back over to Ken Moneybags and the crew.
Coming back for the next segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. And it's time to talk some basketball. Basketball is my favorite sport. It is indeed. So let us talk about the recent moves that have been going on in the NBA. Yes, it's just a couple. We're not going to run through everything because, Christ, we'd be here till Christmas. This is true. Uh, just some, uh, some of the noteworthy kind of deals that have gone down in the uh, recent time here. Uh, the Miami Heat and Bam Adebayo have agreed to a five-year max extension. Uh, this according to Adebayo's own agent. Uh, the deal includes an escalator that could take the total to up to $195 million over five years. Oh, sugar cookies. Wow. Money, dollar, dollar bills, y'all, and uh, no state tax down in Florida. You got to like that deal. Ooh. I mean, what they're doing in Miami is very, very smart. Oh, yeah. So I have to applaud the basketball team. Yeah, no, it, and it's and it's very. <laughs> I'm not applauding the yeah. Dolphins. Uh, no, it's it's very interesting to see it too, just because you think of the Miami Heat's first run to the title, where it was they drafted Wade, they brought in uh, Shaq. Shaq. You know, they had Udonis Haslam, and they had you know a whole bunch of others down there, and that that was how they won their title. It was kind of self built, and then you look at their run when LeBron was down there, and it was like, oh, we're gonna we're gonna not buy players, but we're going to bring them in. We're going to sign players, this, that, and the other. It's almost flipped back to that original run where they had they brought in Jimmy Butler. Now they're drafting guys and this and that. It's kind of interesting to see. It definitely is, and I think they're doing the right thing down there. I mean, obviously, signing Max contract is a big deal, mm-hmm. and it prevents them from the Giannis race when that is going to happen, yeah. if it's going to happen. Yeah. But honestly, I don't think Miami's going to try doing another super team like that. No, I don't think they want to do. I don't think they want to go through the headache that they had to last time, where you were signing players for veterans minimums because you almost had no money. Well, that's the thing. But I mean, with Tyler Hero and Jimmy Butler, yeah, you have a good nucleus down there. Oh yeah, and. Why not build off that? So I can't be mad about this. No, at all. And interesting. Some interesting facts. Uh, when this deal is done, he'll become the fourth member of the 2017 NBA draft class to secure a max extension. The others being Sacramento's De'Aaron Fox, Utah's Donovan Mitchell and Tatum. Uh, he other uh, and Jason Tatum from Boston. Jason Tatum. Yep. Uh, also at a bio averaged 15.2 points, 10.2 rebounds and 5.1 assists this past season. Only one other player in the NBA had those numbers. That would be two time reigning MVP. Giannis Antetokounmpo. You got to applaud him. Oh, yeah. You definitely have to. So can't be mad about that. I am kind of surprised, though, about some of the max contracts. Mm-hmm. I mean, De'Aaron Fox there? Yeah. That makes sense for Sacramento. Oh, yeah. They have to re-sign somebody for Sacramento. Yeah. Donovan Mitchell, I was surprised, stayed. Yeah. I had a feeling he might go, but he, he is the franchise. In, oh, yeah, in no, Utah. he's super loyal. Yeah. And Jason Tatum, I mean, that's a huge sign for oh, Boston. Oh, yeah. Yep. Huge signing for yep. them to keep him there. Because yep. that Celtics team is going to contend. Very oh, yeah. Well. Yeah. Uh, also of note, Brandon Ingram and the New Orleans Pelicans have agreed to a five-year uh, extension. Uh, that is for $158 million. Uh, this according to his agents. Uh, they told that to Woj. Uh, so good for them. At 23 years old, he set career highs with 23.8 points per game, 6.1 rebounds per game, and 4.2 assists per game. He was an all-star for the first time and was named the NBA's most improved player. Yeah, the move to New Orleans has been a good one for him. It's one of those instances you see a lot of time in sports where big city, big lights, big media doesn't necessarily flourish, move someplace else where there's still some lights. They're not as bright. The media isn't as rabid, and they flourish beautifully. Hello, Carl Pavano moving from New York to Minnesota. And plus, with all the moves the Pelicans have been making, too. Yeah. I mean, they're getting Steven Adams from Oklahoma City in Mm -hmm. that wild trade. Mm -hmm. Eric Bledsoe is supposed to be coming there as well. Like they're making some quiet moves. That yeah, maybe are not the big headline grabbers. No, they'll contend. They they're not going to be favorites to win the conference and and make it to the finals. Not without some help. Yeah, but they'll definitely contend. 
They'll definitely contend. They're, I think they're a couple of years away, but with Zion down there too and mm-hmm. having, a, having a full year ready to rock and roll, I, I tell you, their ceiling is very high. So be, they're going to be a fun team to watch next yeah. season. Uh, this last one I want to mention just because I forgot he was still playing. I'll be honest with you. Uh, DeMarcus Cousins has agreed to a one-year deal with the Houston Rockets. Uh, this for the veterans minimum. Uh, he missed all of last season with a torn ACL uh, in his left knee, and uh, he suffered with the Los Angeles Lakers. So uh, He said, quote, uh, grateful for the opportunity and excited for what's ahead, close quote. Uh, this is going to be very interesting, especially with everything up in the air as it is with uh, Houston. Man, I would be very skeptical of Houston. Yeah, going anywhere near there because yeah, as toxic as it might be, and then you had boogie, yo uh, boy, yo that, boy. That opening day, if Harden and Westbrook are still there, can we can we get like a hard knocks type series? But, yeah, but for the NBA and make it Houston, they're gonna need to do something. Yo, like I say, hard courts. They're gonna. <laughs> I'd be all right with that because Houston is gonna be having a lot of eyes on them, and not for all the good reasons. Mm-hmm. So and and with cousins down there, I mean, if if he can get back to flashes of where he used to be, yeah, I mean, it's a big win for him. But yeah, yeah. you know, at this stage, I don't, I don't know. Yep. I gotta be on the fence about that. Also, one other max contract to talk about too. Sure. Which I, I know Coach had to leave, so unfortunately, I can't get his take about this. Fred Van Vliet mm. reups with Toronto. Yeah. Four years, eighty-five mil to stay there. So. Huge move for the Raptors. I know when we get into the draft here, mm-hmm. we're going to be talking about the Knicks moves. Yep. I had a feeling they were trying to clear out some cap space to go get them, but did not happen. But for Toronto, huge move. Mm-hmm. Huge, huge. Yeah. Uh, and now, as you mentioned, the NBA draft took place uh, over the time when we were off between episodes. So I'll recap a little bit of that. Uh, with the number one overall pick, the Minnesota Timberwolves selected Anthony Edwards, uh, shooting guard from Georgia. So if I'm not mistaken, he's the one that made those comments, and I'm just going to paraphrase that he wasn't like super involved in basketball. It was like he had something I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah something to those effects. That, like Basketball wasn't his first choice. Yeah, I I'd be concerned. I would be concerned if I'm Minnesota. That's yeah. a lot to go in on yeah. because you really want to make sure that when you're taking a first-round pick, let alone the first pick overall, uh-huh. they're all in. Yeah. So hearing that was a, a lot of red flags. It's a lot of red flags. I mean, I think he was the best player to come out of this draft. Sure. But – I'd, I'd still be a little worrisome. Oh, I would be too, because it's not a case of like you got a two sport athlete who was really good in both sports. That oh, we're afraid he might leave our sport after a couple years to go play the other one. Like no, this is a case of I would be if I'm in the front office of the Minnesota Timberwolves, I would have it in the back of my head that holy shit, this kid, kid may leave us at the drop of a hat because he's bored. Yeah, that's that worries me a slight bit. So mm-hmm. we're gonna have to wait and see about him. But for Minnesota. You got to do something. Yeah. If he pans out, it's a great move. Yeah. So we just got to wait to see, get him on the court, and let's see what he's got. Yep. Uh, up with the second pick, the Golden State Warriors drafted James Weissman from Memphis, who was a center. So this is a great move for them, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. They needed size underneath. I know everybody's saying, well, Clay Thompson tore his Achilles. Yep. We don't know the status of what he's going to be. Obviously, he's out the year. Yeah. So why didn't they go get a guard? Because they, they, Draymond Green needs help down low. Exactly. You might see a slight transition of where the Warriors have been to where they're going to be. Sure. But Wiseman's the move to make. I think that this was going to be the most sensible pick they could have done. Because mm-hmm. Draymond's getting older, let's face it. Yeah. I know Steph Curry is too, and obviously Clay not being in that backcourt does hurt. 
I know that they did get the addition there uh, of another guard. Andrew Wiggins. Yeah. But um, it was also Ubre, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Kelly Ubre. Yeah. So that being said, the Warriors are going to contend. Oh, are, yeah. Are, are they going to be the team to beat? No. I, I think, no. unfortunately, if Clay was back, I would say yes. That'd be scary. I would definitely say they would be. But since he's not, no. they'll contend. They'll get to the playoffs. Uh-huh. They might surprise some people about how deep they can go. But yeah. You need Steph needs Clay. Clay needs Steph. Yep. I mean, I'm sorry. That's yep. that's all there is to it. So yep. it doesn't matter. You can have a, a a guard by committee. I still don't see him doing anything here. No, it's just it's just Curry's going to have to be more of a floor general than he might have had to when he played in years past. Yeah. So I'm definitely excited to see what they're going to do. Like I said, and especially to have a big man underneath who was originally touted to be the number one pick. Right. So for the Warriors to be drafting this high, I mean, it's weird because. Of the dynasty they have built over the years. Yeah. But the move makes sense, so I'm okay with it. And like I said, Ubre is going to be a good guard for him as well. Also, kudos to Memphis. Maybe your highest draft pick since Derrick Rose. Yeah. At least. Well, they're they're building a, a quiet little program down oh, there. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, you got to be excited about it. I mean, mm-hmm. you got to wait to see what happens. Yep. But, man, I, I tell you what. I think Golden State came out really, really good about it. Oh, yeah. Game. No, totally. Uh, and then the Charlotte Hornets had the number three overall pick where they selected point guard LaMelo Ball. Thank God he's not in New York. Uh, yeah. I'm sorry. Kid might be talented as all can be. And yet to be seen. Yet to be seen. But I did not want the media circus his dad would be ringmaster for yeah. in New York. Yeah, no, I mean, like you said, the kid might be talented as all can be. We've yet to see that at an NBA level because there have been plenty of players, and and you, I'm sure you can think of some at home, where you've had a player come in from overseas or from college that they played really goddamn well. Johnny Flynn from Syracuse comes to mind for me, where you know he, he had a great run at Syracuse, but then he came into the NBA and it just never panned out, yeah. you know, for whatever reason. Lamelo, yeah, he's got the skill set overseas, but this the, the the level of talent he's playing at overseas to me isn't the same level of talent that you face night in and night out at the NBA. Yeah, some teams are better than others, and yeah, some teams are worse than others. But the level of talent is still far and ahead higher than that of a semi pro league or the college game. So you know, good good for Charlotte. I'm sure you got the guy you wanted, but we gotta see. Yeah, we definitely got to see. And like I said, in Charlotte, he could pan out. Yeah. I mean, obviously, it's going to be a little awkward between his dad and Michael Jordan. Yeah, maybe we'll finally get that one-on-one he's always been talking about. And I'll already take Jordan in the over. I'll say, yeah, take the Jordan in the over by, like, no points scored from uh, LaVar. Yeah, because Jordan doesn't forget. No, he doesn't. Ever. Nope. Ever. Nope. Looking at the rest of the draft, though, Mm -hmm. those are the three most solid picks, I think. Oh, yeah. Everybody else was kind of a wait and see. Uh-huh. And I know what everybody has been asking on social media. In fact, I got to give a shout out to JT from East Coast Avengers. Dre was chiming in on Twitter as well. How do we feel about the Knicks pick? Of who did they grab? Uh, and I'm going to butcher this name, so I apologize. Obi Toppin, uh, power forward from Dayton. Yes. I'm going to tell you right now. I love the pick. Okay. I would say this I know it's a bit high. And the only thing that worries me about the pick is we are very heavy at the forward position. Yeah. Now, I know they've let a, let some contracts run out. They did not renew some. That's okay. I'm all right with it. But Toppin is going to be what we need. And I think he's going to be highlights. I think he's definitely going to be there motivated. Mm-hmm. And to hear him on draft night, I was sold. 
I was like, this is my guy. Okay. I know that we should have taken a point guard. That was the only thing that I thought we should have done. And sure. I, and, and looking at uh, Van Vliet, I think they were eyeing him coming. Mm. And I think that's the only reason they didn't. Because I know Cole Anthony, we've been talking here a long time. The Knicks had a shot at him. They didn't. He wound up going to Orlando at 15. I think, though, the Knicks are going to be okay. I'm trusting everything Leon Rose is doing. Yeah. And I'm just kind of waiting to see how this all pans out. I still think we're going to get a big guard in New York. Yeah. I'm not doubting that it's going to be Russell Westbrook. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not saying I want him there. Yeah. But I'm saying I'm not doubting him mm-hmm. there. So we'll just kind of have to wait and see. But like I say, Topin, I, I, I really like. I really think he's going to come in there. He's going to be somebody that's going to be, I want to say, a very similar vein to Zion. Okay. That he, he likes to dunk. He likes to really put on a show. And the thing is, he's motivated. He definitely wants to be the guy in New York. Yeah. And obviously, when you have somebody in that position, I think the sky's the limit. Yeah, and I'm looking at the New York Knicks depth chart on ESPN.com. They've got Alfred Payton starting at point guard, R.J. Barrett starting at shooting guard. Small forward, they've got uh, Toppin listed, uh, power forward. They've got Julius Randle starting, and then down at center, they've got Mitchell Robinson. Yeah, if you keep Mitchell Robinson, R.J., and, and Toppin, I think that that's the squad you go with. Yeah, because what, what, what they, they they signed Austin Rivers and then Nerlens Noel. I know they signed in free agency. Yeah. Which like, I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, that's not going to move the needle per no. se. It's good bench, guys. No, and like with Randall, I would try moving him. Wouldn't I, I, surprise me. The only the only thing I think that might hurt him is the... Oh, they just re-upped the contract. His contract is monstrous. Yeah, well, because they wanted him to say, hey, we signed players here to New York. It's it's the place to be. We we will pay, you know, because they want to compete with every other team. Yeah, but, he's, got, he's got a one-year $18.9 million deal. Yeah, see, I mean... That's going to be hard to move. It will be, but I think the, that's where I say he's going to get involved in that Westbrook deal. Like, I just think for the money getting exchanged, I, I, I'm i not saying it's out of the realm of thought. Let me play with the old ESPN trade machine and see what happens. Let's okay. see. So I got the Knicks there and the Rockets. Julius Randle for Russell Westbrook. Straight up. Try this trade. Oh, nope. No, ain't going to happen. Ain't going to happen. Uh, so it looks like with the Knicks, I got to cut an additional $17.458 million. Let's adjust that a little bit. Uh, oh, yeah, you're not. they're not going to be able to do this because even with – to get near that, I would have to get rid of R.J. Barrett and Nick, uh, Frank Nidalekina. You could get rid of Frank. Oh, uh, so let's add Frank. That adds another six, so I still got to get rid of at least another ten. Add Kevin Knox. Uh, Kevin Knox. I know it's blasphemy for me to say it, but I'm going to try say this it. trade. Nope. Still tr- uh, need to get rid of an additional four million dollars. So where are we going to find four million? Austin, uh, Austin Rivers. No, nah, they just, they just signed him. And I don't think they'll it's flip him all that much. Can they do it? Yeah, where is he listed? Do 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 do. He's not listed on there. All right, next one up. Uh, Bullock, small four, one year, four point two million dollar deal. Boom. Try that. Yeah, that works. So the uh, if the Rockets trade Russell Westbrook and the Knicks send Julius Randle, Nidalekina, uh, Kevin Knox, and then Bullock, uh, that trade will work. Can you please tweet that out tonight? Uh, yeah, I can send it to I'm you. Gonna, yeah, no, send, yeah, send it to Coach Duffy and, and, and send it to the Knicks. Okay. I'll be okay with this. I, like, I don't want to get rid of Knox either if I can help it, but I think, though, they need to get a dynamic guard in there. Mm-hmm. Rivers ain't going to be the guy. No. So if they can get something to balance out R.J., and they can get some other pieces around Mitchell Robinson and, and Toppin. I'm okay with. Mm-hmm. I will say the merchandise I'm already seeing coming out for Obi is cool because they have Obi One. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I approve. Yeah, so I, I'm excited to get him. 
uh, in, in a Knicks uniform and let him go play. Okay. And like I said, Cole Anthony going to Orlando, that's tough because I, I was hoping the Knicks would be able to jump back in and get him. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, it didn't work in their favor. I know they, gra- they drafted a guard from Argentina, mm-hmm. so I don't know a lot about him, but uh, I know I'm fully in on whatever Leon Rose is doing. Okay, Cole Anthony and Aaron Gordon on the same team, that's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Oh, they're going to be fun. Like, Orlando is going to be a sleeper team to do. Mm-hmm. And well, also got Terrence Ross. Holy shit. Yeah. And like I say, the other notable picks in the draft, I know Halliburton going to the Sacramento was a big deal. Yeah. And especially De'Aaron Fox getting re-signed with him. They're going to be a fun team to watch. Are they going to contend? Oh, no. No. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just don't see it happening. But they're going to be a fun team to watch. Anything is possible there. Mm-hmm. And the rest of the first round, I mean, is kind of take your chances. Yeah, it wasn't a real deep uh, draft class. No, after you got past the first three picks, it was, okay, we have some players that are good that could be you know, assets to a team. Like I say, Toppin coming to the Knicks I think is a good move. I know everybody was excited about Halliburton, and, mm-hmm. and, and they were saying he should come there because he's probably the most pro-ready. Yeah. But you'd never know. I mean, that's the thing about the draft, mm-hmm. that there's only so many positions on a team that you can get a player and to get, obviously, some playing time to really see something happen. Mm-hmm. But I think for most of the teams, I don't think they had any really bad drafts moves happen. And especially now, everybody's still talking about free agency. And I know, to address the elephant in the room, and I think we've touched upon it again, but I don't mind bringing it back up. Harden to Brooklyn. Hey. ISO 101. Yeah, I mean, let's face it. I've played with the ESPN trade machine for like all of a week now. It t- will take heaven, hell, and earth to get that trade to work. Yeah. Because the thing with the ESPN trade machine is it uses, you know, granted, you can't put in draft picks with the ESPN trade machine, but like I was just doing with the mock draft or trade for Russell Westbrook, you money is still involved with these trades, and there is a hell of a lot of money that needs to get moved to a minimum of at least three, or I did move... I do involve four teams to get, even get it in the neighborhood of possibility and get it within reason, and I just yeah. couldn't get it to work. It's not going to happen, but that's the one thing about the NBA is you never say never because weirder things have happened with those contracts. That's true. Guaranteed contracts and how easy they are to move, mm-hmm. it's mind-blowing to me just yeah. watching on the outside looking in. But that was a quick recap of the NBA week that was obviously the season you believe is a month away. Hard to believe. Holy smokes. So definitely hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. What's your thoughts about the current state of the NBA? What moves do you like and what don't you? And let's talk about the NBA draft, shall we? And maybe we can get Coach Duffy to do a little video shout-out. I have an idea. i got to run by him on Twitter. So definitely stay tuned to com and the social media accounts to find out what's going on. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Sunny Hepburn. And I'm Brandy Fleets. And we're from Book of Lies, the podcast where we discuss liars, cheats, and thieves, scammers, and dirty, rotten scoundrels. You can tune in for new episodes every Tuesday to hear about another lowdown, dirty liar. And learn how to spot them. So that's Book of Lies Podcast. You can connect with us on social media, Twitter at Book of Lies Pod, Facebook, and Instagram at Book of Lies Podcast. Bye! It's a Hey, this is Vince, the Cowman Toy, local MMA fighter, telling you to keep on listening to the ODPH, the 607's up-and-coming newest podcast.
Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. And time to run the ropes and talk a little pro wrestling. Wrestling! So this past week was the WWE's annual Thanksgiving tradition, so Mm -hmm. to speak. I know it's not held on Thanksgiving anymore, but every November is the Survivor Series. And it's a shame we weren't recording like two minutes earlier because I'm looking at this card and I didn't get to see the pre-show. And I read the 24-7 title match and went, what the actual fuck? Is this the right card? Yes, because reasons, uh-huh. <laughs> because it's wrestling, but we're going to deep dive into it, yep. give you our results, because it was a very good card, I have to say. Oh, yeah. We didn't do a live stream of it on twitch.tv slash 607podcast, but this week on the YouTube page for 607podcast, Rich and I rewatched Survivor Series 1990, Ooh. because this was the 30th anniversary of The Undertaker. Mm-hmm. So it was also a 30th anniversary of somebody else that we're going to get into. But as we dive in, let us go to the pre-show. Yep. And the first matchup on the docket, because we are going to be coming, finishes, and giving you our opinions of them. Yep. Uh, First one was for the 24-7 title, where R-Truth defended it against the Gobbledygooker. However, the Gobbledygooker defeated R-Truth to become your and new 24-7 title champion. And this is the match that I'm looking through this, because I was busy. It was my girlfriend's mom's birthday, so I didn't get to see the pre-show. But I went, what the fuck is this actually real? Because 30 years ago, the WWE was a little more kid-friendly, so to speak. Yeah. And they had been hyping up that there was a giant egg that was going to hatch. So if, you're, if you don't know what we're talking about by kid-friendly, just Google search Doink the Clown. Yeah, well, yeah, well, yeah, WWE Doink the Clown. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah specify. Yeah, specify for uh, WWF Doink the Clown. Yes. But nevertheless, they were doing a lot more kid-friendly things, and they had this egg that wound up hatching, and that was the gobbledy one that we were just mentioning. Yep. And... Uh, that was noteworthy because we are actually going to have somebody dressed up as a turkey being a wrestler. Uh, are they going to try and write it into like WWE canon that that's who the Undertaker tombstoned on Jimmy Fallon twice? I hope they do because because he, be he, he's appeared on two different episodes of Jimmy Fallon, one a couple of years ago and then the other one this past uh, October or whatever it was, where he appeared on the show and tombstoned a dude in a turkey costume. So are they going to try and say that was the gobbledygooker? I hope so. That'd because be amazing. That would be amazing because, yeah, we actually talk about that on the uh, YouTube video, which is going to be dropping Thanksgiving Day. Okay. So that being said, yes, he decided to make an appearance and roll up our truth to win the 24-7 title because that's what they do with the 24-7 title. It's defending 24-7. Mm-hmm. So on with that, though, there was the dual-branded battle royal, which happened yep. as well. Yep. And you got the results for that? Yeah, so The Miz defeated Angel Garza, Apollo Crews, Cedric Alexander, Chad Gable, Dolph Ziggler, Dominic Mysterio, Elias, Humberto Carrillo, Jeff Hardy, John Morrison, Callisto, Murphy, Rey Mysterio, Ricochet, Robert Roode, Shelton Benjamin, and Shinsuke Nakamura. This is a typical battle royal. There's nothing really to write home about. Uh, Chad Gable looked great in this. In fact, I was hoping he was going to pull off the win, but the Miz wound up getting it by shenanigans, and obviously it's what it is to start a show. So I wasn't too mad about that. Yeah, and I know some people are wondering online, wait, why wasn't Biggie in the thing? You know, the uh, the running speculation is that, A, he's going to be set for a big push here coming down the road, so why do it here on a pre-show battle royal? Plus he had the uh, Gears of War-themed uh, outfit to come out in, and they didn't want to spoil that too early. Yeah, yeah. You know, so you know that, that that I figure that's why that's going on. Yeah, it, it wasn't a big deal in my opinion for it no. because as we'll get to when we talk about the tag match, he did show up in the Gears of War outfit because there yeah. could be DLCs for the yep. video game. Yep. 
But there was one match that was up before that. Yeah, that was the men's uh, traditional five-on-five Survivor Series match where you had uh, Team Raw uh, defeat Team SmackDown in a clean sweep. Yeah, so Team Raw was compiled by Captain, quote-unquote, AJ Styles, mm-hmm. Keith Lee, Braun Strowman, Riddle, mm-hmm. no longer Matt Riddle, yep. and Sheamus, yep. taking on Team SmackDown of Kevin Owens, Jey Uso, King Corbin, Seth Rollins, and Otis, who just qualified on Friday night. Yep. So this was... But that was a good match. It was a good match. It was entertaining. I want, I want to pat myself on the back. I got the result wrong, but I got the sole survivor right. Jey Uso was the sole survivor for Team SmackDown, but just I didn't think he was going to lose. Yeah. No, he definitely was going to be there because when it came down to the finals, uh, Jey Uso was trying to do his best, and I think it was for the storyline because yeah, yeah. Team Raw just ran through him. And I, yeah. I, I kind of figured about this because I remember commenting on that hashtag show's uh, uh, Instagram page because mm-hmm. they were saying about the three best factions and I'm like looking at this or three best teams in Survivor Series history and I'm looking at that Raw team and that's, I'm going that's, that's, that's a good team AJ Styles former world champion Keith yep. Lee former NXT world champion yep. Braun Strowman former world champion yep. Matt Riddle Matt Riddle and Sheamus former world champion so yeah. that, that squad was so loaded and the yeah. only other thing noteworthy about this match really was Seth Rollins sacrificing himself quote unquote for the greater good yeah and getting brogue kicked in the first elimination of the night. Prevailing theory is that's how he's written off TV so that uh, he can go and ch- enjoy time with his fiancée, uh, Becky Lynch, as they're about due to give birth. Yes. Which makes sense. Yeah, it made sense completely. I mean, uh, the Otis Keith Lee stuff was pretty funny, too. <laughs> oh, my God, that was great. Because it's just two very big gentlemen uh, that were just hitting big guy moves. So, you uh-huh. know, all right with it. And like we said, it was a clean sweep for Team Raw. And, yep. you know, just basically kind of what you expected. Yeah. Next uh, up, though. Yep, was the, the first of the best of the best matchups as they were kind of billing them in the uh, tag team matchups where you had the uh, Raw tag team champions in Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods of the New Day taking on uh, Angelo Dawkins and Montez Ford of the Street Profits, who are the tag team champions of SmackDown. Uh, and you had Angelo Dawkins and Montez Ford defeat the New Day to win the matchup. Yeah, this match was real fun. Oh, it was great. I love this match. Holy shit. That corner jump from uh, Montez Ford. Yeah. Holy fuck, from the moon. Yeah, Montez Ford is the oh. most, at, most athletic guy in all of pro wrestling. Damn. We can debate about this. He can fly like no man. He can jump higher than a lot of people. Yeah. Which is insane. It's absolutely crazy, and this match was very back and forth, and this was everything you wanted to see from both teams because, obviously, the New Day, very decorated throughout yeah. WWE history. Yeah. The Street Profits are up and coming, yeah. and this was a huge win for them. I was hoping they won because New Day doesn't really need the yeah. win. Yeah, no, they don't. They're established. They're 10-time champions, you know, DLC and video games. Very successful. You know, Xavier runs a very successful YouTube channel. You know, he's making a push to get on the, the G4 TV channel revival, you know, so mm-hmm. they've got all the success in the world. Street Profits, very personable, very likable, you know, very fun. You know, the crowd has a lot of fun whenever they come out, you know, so New Day didn't need the rub on this one. No, definitely didn't. I wouldn't mind seeing this ran back. Oh, I, I would too. Best I, of seven series. Oh, yeah, this is going to be my new fight forever. Mm-hmm. Speaking of which, yeah. we had one half of the original fight forever in this one. Yeah. Yeah, so this was a matchup between Bobby Lashley, who was the United States champion, taking on Sami Zayn, who was the Intercontinental champion. And Bobby Lashley defeated Sami Zayn by submission in 7 minutes and 47 seconds. Now, I know, Pad, you have not been watching Raw that much. Nope. I mean, you catch it here and there. I catch it here and there, yeah. The best thing on Raw right now is the Hurt Business. Uh, I did, however, see last night with uh, Bobby Lashley and that ascot. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. The Hurt Business is so good. Mm-hmm. So good. 
And I am going to say this. I know I will echo what Rich has been saying, too, on uh, 607TWS. I didn't think I would ever say this, but I think Bobby Lashley deserves a world title run. Wow. Him in the Hurt Business is a day and night transformation. He doesn't have to do talking. Which is something we've known for a while. Yes, because he's not a good promo guy. No. But working with MVP as the mic guy. Has done wonders. Which is good for him. Yeah. And they have legitimately built him up into a main event threat. Mm-hmm. Completely. This match was fun. Yeah. And Sami Zayn, if you've not been following his Intercontinental title run, yeah, he is winning by shenanigans. Yeah, like when he won the title back or retained the title or whatever the hell it was. And he, uh, what was it? He handcuffed AJ. AJ to the ladder. Yes. Uh, he also did something with Apollo Crews. I think he tied his boots to the ring post. Yeah. So he couldn't uh, yeah. get back in the ring for count He's out. getting real creative, and I like it. Yeah. Oh, Sami Zayn is, love him or hate him, he's very brilliant in the concepts he comes up with. Yeah. Uh, he, you know, he's Sammy. So yep. this was a fun match. Bobby Lashley went over. Uh, albeit though, I, the finisher I don't really care for, but I'm okay with it sure. because he's definitely improved. He is my most improved guy of 2020 for all pro wrestling. I'm not going to lie about it. I, and like I said, I never thought I would say I'm down for him to get the world title run. Okay, I fully am here for it. But speaking of world titles, yeah. Next up, uh, what was your matchup between the two women's champions in Sasha Banks, who was the SmackDown uh, women's champion, taking on Asuka, who was the Raw women's champion, uh, and Sasha Banks defeated Asuka via pinfall. Great match. Yeah, I I love it that the there was no outside interference. Oh yeah, thank God. And these are two of your top women wrestlers. Hell, they're two of your top wrestlers. Period. Uh huh. And they had time to work. They tore the house down. This was a great match with a quick ending, too. I mean, didn't sure. have to do anything, but sure. you know what? It did enough to tell the story, and you know that this is going to get ran back at some point. Oh, no, yeah, absolutely. You know, great match. I know I said oh, I thought Asuka was going to win, but thinking back on it, Asuka doesn't really need it. You know, she's got the her run from the being the NXT champion. You know, nobody's ready for Asuka type you know, yeah. thing. You know, she's got the mystique and the aura behind her. It's Asuka. Like, holy shit, you know, she's here. I, it was good for Sasha to win this, I think, because while she doesn't need the mystique and the aura, you know, because she's she's a very well established champion in her own right with a lot of great matches under her belt, it does give her a little a bit of an added boost that you know I feel helps her character. Yeah, I do too. And obviously, Sasha has always had the reputation after she wins a belt, she can't keep it. Not to saying this was on the line sure, by any means, sure. But I think this was a huge one to really not. That she needs to get established because she already is. She's the right. boss. Oh, yeah. But I think this is also just saying that, hey, she has to be in that contention when you talk about Asuka, that mm-hmm. she is somebody that's going to be a very strong champion. I think she's going to go on a deep run. Oh, yeah. I know they have her in a feud with Carmella, who is now Something doing the like Emelina that. gimmick, which yeah. I, I, I'm yeah. sorry, I, I don't have good hopes for. I, I think it's yeah. going to end very badly. So we'll kind of have to wait and see, but I think great win, and I would not mind seeing that get ran back someday. No. But next up, though. Next up, you had a quick little title change uh, where Akira Tozawa showed up and defeated the Gobbledygooker to become your and new 24-7 title champion. But uh, not for long because R-Truth then pinned Akira Tozawa to become your and new 
24-7 title champion for like probably the 60-something time. I believe they said 45th on air. Holy shit. It's something ridiculous. That whole title's ridiculous. So good for Truth, though. Oh, our truth makes that belt. If it was on anybody else, I I don't care. I don't no, watch. No, no. But he makes the most of it. He is such a, 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 a just a diamond mm-hmm. in that company. He mm-hmm. just he stands out. He shines when you give him the time. Yeah. He's, he's amazing. Yeah. Uh, after that, you had the women's traditional five-on-five Survivor Series match uh, where you had Team Raw in Lacey Evans, Lana, Nia Jax, Peyton Royce, and Shayna Baszler taking on Team SmackDown in Bayley, Bianca Belair, Liv Morgan, Natalia and Ruby Riot with uh, Team Raw uh, emerging victorious, although not by any traditional means for a Survivor Series matchup. <sighs> okay, so this whole match we all knew was going to end with Lana being the sole survivor. Mm-hmm. We all knew it was. And what I didn't like about this match, and I'll stick to my guns about this, is she's been running this whole storyline of that she's been getting bullied by Nia Jax right. and Shayna Baszler. They put her through a table nine weeks in a row. Yeah. And then they ran the documentary series before the show, and you hear about her background, and you hear about how she's like dealing with criticism of her, and it just seems like they were setting her up to get like the Rudy moment, mm-hmm. so to speak, to get the upset. But after she forces herself in the match because they did a pre-show thing, and Nia was saying, nobody tag Lana, we're going to win this, but nobody touch her, nobody go near her. Then when she gets herself in, she's actually competing. She's forced out, and she's told to stand on mm-hmm. the ring apron the entire match mm-hmm. to the point where she's, like, faking tears and whatever, and it's like, is this really what you want to be saying? Uh, I, I I don't know where they're going with it, but I don't like it. I'm not a huge fan of it, no. but, but I, I understand that people did think it was a hilarious ending, and I, I get where they're coming from in this aspect because it was it was played out that the, the, the person who was being bullied finally got one over on the bullies. Sure. So I get that aspect. Sure, I, I, I do. T- I do too. But if you're building up Lana to from like little to no wrestling experience, I don't think she's got much wrestling experience. No, she bit. doesn't. You know, to build her up from a, somebody who you know rags to riches type of thing, where it's like, oh, came in from no talent. I don't want to say no talent, but no experience, no real background in wrestling to eventually, hopefully, becoming a, a women's champion. If if that's what their ultimate goal is, I don't see where you know having a bus stop along the way of LOL. Look at how she won helps that. Yeah. I, I don't either, but I I get why the ending works. So I know for the people that are defending it, hey, I, I get it. I just, me personally, it wasn't my cup of tea, but I get it. it it's, yeah. it's funny once you break it down in the aspect that the bully got one over on the bully. Sure, sure. So that being said, and obviously when it got to be Bianca Belair being the last member of uh, Team SmackDown, there was no way she was going to lose. No. I think it was Natty, then I'd say then Lana could get in there for the quick roll-up. Mm-hmm. But they weren't going to do that. But I will say Bianca Belair had a great performance. Yeah. Uh, Shayna Baszler and Ruby Riot were working very stiff. Oh, yeah. And there were some uncomfortable kicks. Yeah. That I In which uh, I, was, I was informed by Rich, too. He was telling me about how they used to work in AIW together. Mm. So they know each other very well. Oh, I was so. saying, and I think, didn't they have a few matches at NXT together, too? I think for a quick cup of coffee. Yeah. Like yeah it so was, they, it, they've got some uh, time together. Yeah. So obviously, I forgot about that because Baszler was kicking the hell out of her. Yeah. And Baszler can throw kicks like yeah. nobody else. So, yeah. so that being said, Lana won. And then obviously, they, they did a little continuation of the story where she's now helping Asuka. Yep. And I think next week there's a women's tag team title match between Shayna and Nia against Asuka and Lana. Oh, Christ. So stay tuned for that because that could get interesting. Yeah. Next up. Uh, Was your main event. It was uh, Universal Champion Roman Reigns taking on the WWE Champion and Drew McIntyre. I will say this, uh, 24 minutes and 55 seconds. This is 
it probably in my contention for match of the year because damn. Yeah, this was amazing. Holy shit. This was your main event worthy match. Like, honestly, I, I was going to say you could have done Asuka and, and, and Shane and uh, Sasha. Sure. I would have been okay with that. Sure. I knew they were going to go with this because Roman is the biggest storyline in all pro wrestling. Oh, yeah. His heel turn has been money. Oh, yeah. No, it's, it's, but I, I, and I know that's something the fans have wanted for the damned longest time, longest time, you know, myself included, but they're doing it perfectly. And I know he had the comment. It was either last week or two weeks ago where, you know, Drew showed up on SmackDown and he said, listen, nobody's watching your show. Everyone's tuning into SmackDown to watch me. He's not wrong. Like it is the best storyline they have got going. And it is the one that I myself am probably the most invested in, you know, outside of whatever the hell's going on between Bray Wyatt and, and Alexa Bliss, just because that's just weird. And I, I want to see where that goes. Yeah. But in terms of the, you know, it's got me on the, you know, you get to a cliffhanger of an episode lost comes to mind with their 9000 cliffhangers. You know, it's you know all this stuff with with Roman and and, and Jey Uso and Paul and and Daniel Bryan now and, and all that that has got me on the edge of my seat going holy shit what are they going to do next Yeah, I, I'm fully there, so I'm fully invested in this. I know that we had a little Jey Uso run in, and I don't yep. think that hurt the match at no. all because it told a great story. And I will say this was definitely match of the year contender. Oh yeah, match of the night for sure. Oh yeah, this delivered on so many fronts. Uh, Drew looked like a million bucks. And he looked like a viable threat against Roman. Oh, yeah. No, it was a great match because usually, you know, I've seen enough Roman matches that, you know, and I know you have too, where you can kind of sit there and he hits the spear and you go, all right, you know, that it's not the first spear. It's like maybe the second or third spear he's hit. You're like, all right, that's ball game. You know, that that's it. You know, once he hits the spear, that's game over. You know, a couple spears, that's game over. Drew was kicking out. It's so like I'm sitting there going maybe the third, fourth spear. And I'm like, all right, that's, that's game over. Holy shit, he kicked out. Yeah. It was absolutely incredible, and I will say they got very inventive with some of their stuff. Yeah, I know when Roman went for him, and Drew tried doing the Kimura. Yeah, which I'm sorry, I really struggle keeping my cool when I see wrestlers trying to do MMA moves and they don't do them right. Because mm-hmm. he, he was trying to do an armbar. Like I know it was a Kimura, and they kept yeah. trying to spin that, but I'm yeah. like, yeah. no, it wasn't. Yeah. Stop. Yeah, this is cringeworthy. Yeah, but this whole match was money. Yeah. I uh, loved oh, yeah. it. Great way to end the show if it was the ending. Yeah, no, and I will say one last thing about this match. If there were a scenario where we could have, like, remember a couple of years ago where it was uh, Brock and, and Goldberg, where they had the match like three times in like six months. Mm-hmm. This is one that I would like to see that happen with. I, it, it won't, but I, this is one that I'd love to have him see him run it back three times. Don't say never about this because the one thing that I know the internet is running a little wild with. Mm-hmm. Is The Rock is coming to WrestleMania? Yeah. Listen, I think it'd be great if he could. I really do. I don't know if they're not gonna if they're gonna do it without live crowds. Right. Without live crowds, probably not. No, I, you're I, not. But you're not burning the the Rock to have you know video conferenced in fans. Right. So I definitely am gonna say temper the expectations there. And then even if they do have live crowds, if I'm not mistaken, a lot of movie studios have it in a clause and a contract with him. He can't do wrestling. Yeah, then that's as a result of his last match in WWE where he fought Cena in New York at whatever WrestleMania it was and tore his what? His, he tore his spleen. He tore his spleen. Yeah, he had a pushback. It was filming Hercules at the yeah, time. Yeah, so that so that has been written to, into his contract with like any movie he does with that he cannot wrestle, which is why, you know, outside the you know the appearance he's made on Raw a couple times and then he was at his, uh, WrestleMania, you know, when it was, what, 31. You know, he's not had a full-fledged, and then when it was in Texas at 32, he's not made a full-fledged, like, wrestling match appearance yeah so i would say temper your expectations with that it still could happen sure i mean i'm not saying it's completely dead in the water no but 
there's a couple scenarios you can do for WrestleMania with him. Mm-hmm. One, you can have Roman versus Jey Uso, and I ne- things I thought I'd never say in 2020. Yeah. And Jey, if they push him right, he could be one of your biggest baby faces. See, I want to see that, that storyline and that, that whole thing burn for a while. Let that go for a while. Eventually, down the road, yes. Yeah. But for WrestleMania upcoming this year, no, nah, it's too soon. Yeah, like, I don't know. Like, they might try forcing it just because if they really are going to get off track of what they want to do. Mm-hmm. I'm not doubting, though, you see this match rematched at WrestleMania. Could be. Because the one thing that we don't know is Brock is in limbo, whatever he's doing. Mm-hmm. We do hear a lot of talk that Randy Orton versus Edge for the belt is an option. And Edge was supposedly backstage at Survivor Series. Right, because he's healing enough from tearing his biceps. So mm-hmm. it's it's mm-hmm. not to say that's out of the realm of thought either. Yeah. There's a lot of variables they can do. We're still very far out to kind of really guess what Mania is, is going to do. Yeah. But I will say this. After this match, I think you could definitely have Reigns versus McIntyre. Oh, absolutely. If you have, like, McIntyre gets traded to SmackDown, if you oh, want yeah. to play that route. Yeah. That could be something, or they just do championship versus champion and unify the belts. I would, say, I would say, what if McIntyre wins the Royal Rumble again? Yeah. When, you know, how many guys have won it back-to-back years? And they go, all right. Mm, Shawn Michaels, I believe. Michael, yeah, so not many people have done it. So you could have McIntyre win the damn thing and go, you know what? I'm challenging Roman. It's not all the realm of thought. A lot of stuff could happen. But they did close with a very strong ending, and that was The Undertaker's Farewell. Yeah. Which I thought was very fitting. Obviously, they had a lot of legends come back. Yep. Uh, you had Jeff Hardy, yep. Mick Foley, the Godwins, which took me back yeah. to remember. Yeah. Savio Vega came back. Yep. Big Show, Kevin Nash, Booker T, Shawn Michaels, Flair, Godfather. A lot of his friends uh, yep. that were with him during his, his prime years. Yeah. And obviously, Vince McMahon came out, gave an emotional speech for him. Mentioned WWF, and the internet went nuts. Yeah, because... That's where he was. That's yeah. where he was really creative. Because you yeah. think about 30 years mm-hmm. of portraying the character, and Undertaker came in and finally said, it's now it's time to rest in peace. Yeah. And he did the pose. They did a holographic Paul Bearer, his longtime manager who has passed away. Which threw me for a loop when I heard the, yeah. I'm like, holy shit, wait, what? Yeah, it absolutely was crazy. They spent a lot of time to do this, and I'm glad he got his send-off. Yeah. He's done a lot for the business. And I'm just I'm happy it's done because yeah. I always yeah. feared that he was going to come back for one more match, and he ended everything perfect with the boneyard match. Oh no, absolutely! And I'm kind of comforted that you know it is the perfect ending for him. He's not going to come back and have one more match because some of the stuff that's been coming out is that Vince finally understands that okay, it's time to retire the character. Yeah, thirty years of being the dead man digging holes and stealing souls. He's done it like nobody else. There's a legacy that nobody's going to come near with him. No. The fact that he is probably the last great character mm-hmm. in professional wrestling, and the mm-hmm. fact that he made that gimmick work. Because you think about it, and you and you write it down on paper, that you go, "Wait, what?" Yeah, he's somebody that has just transcended the business to the point where the Undertaker is well known outside of wrestling. Mm-hmm. And is he as big as Stone Cold or The Rock? To us wrestling fans, yes. yes. To the mainstream. Maybe, Maybe not as much. I mean, Dwayne Johnson's in a whole other le- uh, yeah. level right yeah. now. Yeah, But I would say he's around the Stone Cold level. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. So with that being said, he's painted a great legacy. Uh, it's going to stand the test of time. Whether you talk WrestleMania, I think there's a couple matches in his latter years that we'll all forget. Mm-hmm. Goldberg. Yeah. And obviously he kind of did the fake out before where he was going to retire against Roman Reigns, but it wasn't time. Now I fully believe he's done, and you can finally sit back and relax, and thank you for the memories. Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. 
So that all being said, hit us up on the hashtag, hashtag ODPH. Your thoughts on this past Survivor Series, and what is your favorite moment for moment of The Undertaker? Throughout 30 years, something's got to stick out. So definitely hit us up. Let us know. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Johnny Moose from Excite Wrestling, and you're listening to the ODPH. I didn't mess it up. I thought I would. Right now, back to the guys. Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast, and time to round those bases and take the show home. Got to talk a little bit of football because it was announced today, uh, the 25 modern era player semifinalists uh, for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Won't be reading through the whole list because there, well, there's a lot, but there are some noteworthy uh, first-year eligible players on this list, uh, one being Jared Allen, who, of course, played many years up in Minnesota with the Vikings, mm-hmm. uh, Calvin Johnson, who played his entire career with the Detroit Lions, uh, Peyton Manning, and then Charles Woodson. So I, you got to figure Peyton Manning's a lock in there. Calvin Johnson probably going to get in there, and then Charles Woodson as well of those uh, first-year eligible players. Yeah, definitely got to say Peyton's leading that class. Absolutely. There's so many great players they could go with, too. And, mm-hmm. I mean, the NFL – Hall of Fame doesn't get the shine that maybe the baseball one does. Sure. But it's still noteworthy to go through. And yeah. It'll be interesting. But uh, like I say, Peyton's got to be a lock. And oh, you got to figure. And then everybody else is. We'll it, see. It's tough to say because there's a lot of worthy candidates. Mm-hmm. And it just depends on really who's going to get in. So yeah. stay tuned for that. So for my base, I got to talk some UFC. Okay. Now, this past week was UFC 255. Okay. The co-main and main were not enough that we were going to stream for the fights. I'm, I'm sorry. Like, the flyweight divisions are great, but these really were, in my opinion, very predictable. Okay. We did do a live reaction on twitch.tv slash 6 podcast to the prelims, and the prelims were awesome. Hmm. I will say this. the There was two fights that kicked off there that were kind of like so-so that really weren't standing out, but the two that I want to talk about is... Joaquin Buckley okay. versus Jordan right now. Buckley is the guy that did the crazy knockout uh, leg holding kick to the face. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did not disappoint. Kept that streak going. That guy is the real deal. Uh, with a second round knockout of Jordan Wright, he, and Wright was undefeated at the time in the middleweight bout, he came in and he was landing shots. Like once he figured his timing out, it, the guy is the real deal, like I said. And James Krause, now I did not realize this, Pad. Okay. Has been calling out Buckley for months, yo, and saying a lot of uh, not safe for work stuff about him. Oh, he does not have a lot of good things to say about Buckley. Uh oh, Dana White just caught wind of this. Uh oh, and Buckley even said in his post-fight presser, "I'm not saying his name. You know his name. Tell him to show up and let me know when." <laughs> Dana has now found out about this trash talking. He says, "I'm going to make this fight happen. I cannot wait to see this." And I'm really going to say Buckley gets in there against uh, Kraus. He's going to absolutely annihilate him. I am that sold on how Buckley performs. Like he, I'm not saying he's going to get a title shot anytime soon in the middleweight division, right? but he's a name to watch because he was in there throwing some power shots, and his stance kind of reminds me a little bit of how Mike Tyson used to throw. Okay. So definitely a guy to keep an eye out for. And then the, the main event in the prelim card mm-hmm. was a flyweight uh, title eliminator. Okay. Because I felt that the, whoever won this is going to get the title shot against Figueredo. Okay. And that wound up being Brandon Moreno in the first round against Brandon Roy Val. Hmm. Now, Moreno was the number one contender at the time. Hmm. Roy Val, I believe, was number six. Very back and forth. Very good fight. Okay. Roy Val popped his shoulder out. Aye. And Ow. you literally saw it pop. Ow. 
It looked horrific. Ow. And right after the match, they popped it back in. Oh, of course he did. Yeah, because... Psychopaths. Exactly. God bless him. So Moreno has the next title shot locked up. He looked great, too. Like I said, I would not mind seeing these two run it back, Roy Val and Moreno, but it's already been set in stone. Moreno is going to get the next flyweight title match. So who is he going to be going up against? Well, we got to kind of talk very quickly about the main card. The main card kicked off with Shogun Hua versus Paul Craig. Shogun Hua, I'm sorry, is past the prime. He's got to go. Yeah. He looked awful. There's nothing really right home about it's Paul. It's approaching like Chuck Liddell levels of you need to go. Paul Craig made him tap to strikes. Hey. I'm just leaving that there. Hey. So next up was a women's flyweight title. Caitlin Chahugan took on Cynthia Calvallo. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like Calvallo a lot, uh, but she did not get this one. Chahugan definitely got this one, or Chahagan, I'm sorry. So she won the decision. It was pretty one-sided. Enough said about that. Yeah. The next matchup was the welterweight bout between Tim Means and Mike Perry. The only thing noteworthy about this is Mike Perry came out and they played the wrong song for him. Oh, jeez. They played Halo by Beyonce. And to his credit, Mike Perry goes, what is this? Ah, screw it. We're going with it. And he started singing Halo. What a a gamer. Yeah, I will say this. I'm not a Mike Perry fan, but that was a funny moment. You can find it all over the web. You got to appreciate it. Yeah, you can find it all over the web. Uh, It it was pretty epic. Yeah. Uh, Next up, though, was the co-main, which I thought should have been the main. Okay. For your women's flyweight title, Valentina Shevchenko taking on Jennifer Maya. Uh Shevchenko is dominating that division, won this by decision. The internet lost its mind, though, because Maya might have won a round. Oh, Jesus. And people really thought, like, something could shift. Hold on. I need to go look outside and see if pigs have flown. Yeah. Shevchenko still, though, just tore her apart. And we had a feeling about this. Like, the the money line for this, I want to say Shevchenko was a minus 1,600 or oh, something. Yeah. It was something absurd. Well, after I saw that video of the Shevchenko sisters dual kicking that, ki- uh, that punching bag, and they were, like, so locked in sync, kicking it and moving at the exact same time. I'm like, yeah, their opponents this weekend ain't got no shot. Yeah, in fact, uh, the other sister, Antonia, uh, she won against Aaron Lipitsky, uh, mm. too. She yep. uh, won by you know, stoppage. So, yeah, they had the Shevchenko sisters had a great weekend. Yeah. But your main event, though, was Figueredo versus Alex Perez for the flyweight title. Okay. Uh, Figueredo is no joke. He won by submission in the first round. Yo. This guy, Dana White, is hyping like the real deal. And you know what? I, I'm convinced he goes in there. He's a different flyweight. See, but Dana's done this before. I know he has. I know he has. Sage Northcutt, just a name, a name. But there's something about Figueredo, which I will give him this. Figueredo goes in there with a killer's mentality. Okay. That I don't think Sage Northcutt had. No. I don't think a lot of the hype train people that Dana tries selling. Yeah. Ha- like, really had this thing. No. Figueredo comes in there. He absolutely brutalized Joseph Benavidez to win the belt. Mm. And this was after he missed weight the first time. He should have had the belt the first first go-round. Right. Now that he's a champ, he tore through Perez. Like, Mm. this was not even a fun fight. And Figueredo is now locked in Moreno. They have a fight date locked in December, I believe. It's Oregon Fast Track because they both said, hey, we're ready to go. No damage was taken really pretty much by either fighter. Sure, sure. So Dana has now moved them into December. I want to say it's going to be December 18th. I'm not looking at a calendar right now. Okay. But they've been doing some fight shifting around because uh, Peter Yan was supposed to fight Aljamain Sterling. Okay. Yan had to pull out for um, an unspecified reason. Hmm. 
So they got bumped into that spot, and yeah. I want to say that that is the 18th. Okay. Because I know that uh, Tony Ferguson and Charles Oliveira is fighting the 12th. Right. I don't think it's on the same card, but like I said, I'm actually not looking at a computer for this right now. So stay tuned for that because I am all in for watching that fight, and I have no idea when it's going to be, but I- I'm sold on Figueredo. He just Ooh. looks like a different cat. I just want to see him fight Demetrius Johnson because, I'm sorry, until you beat the king, you are not the king. This is true. That all being said, this week there is a fight night going on UFC weekend Saturday. Mm-hmm. Main event is probably the most noteworthy. Curtis Blades, 14-2 and two in the heavyweight division, taking on the one and only Derek Lewis. Oh, my Lord. 24-7. and seven. Uh, Expect fireworks. Uh, this is going to be an absolute amazing fight. Derek Lewis, Mr. My, bo- my Blank R. Well, you know. Yep. Uh, just for the sound bites alone, you should tune in. It's going to be so good. It's going to be amazing. I hope Lewis wins, but Blades is no joke. No. I, I This is not going to be an easy night for him. Uh, but Derek Lewis can still hang in there. I mean, he's at 35, though. That's the only thing that worries me. But he finds ways to win, even though he shouldn't. Because he is amazing, and that's all he's going to do. This is true. We are going to be doing this on twitch.tv slash podcast. We are going to give you our live reactions, so definitely stay tuned for that this weekend. It should be some fun time, and we'll have some more UFC news to talk about in the upcoming week because a lot of stuff is breaking. A lot of stuff is getting scheduled. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we should also note, bra- uh, breaking as we record, uh, the first four rankings for the college football playoff got announced. Oh, break SB it down. Recording. Break it down. Uh, so currently, number one is the Alabama Crimson Tide. Number two are the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Number three are the Clemson Tigers. And number four are the Ohio State Buckeyes. If I'm doing my own booking here, uh, I would like to see Notre Dame versus Ohio State in the college football playoff championship round. Not because I have a rooting interest in either team, but simply because Coach Duffy is a Notre Dame Irish fan and his wife is an Ohio State Buckeyes fan. I will put that on Twitch. Oh, my God. Uh I I want to see it happen. Will it happen? I don't know. Lord knows. But if it does, I want to see it happen. Oh, my God. Yeah, we'll we'll see if Coach will do a live reaction because – Mrs. Coach Duffy's amazing too. So this, oh yeah, this, she has. So this would be that would be. Oh my God, we got to see if that will happen. Uh huh. So that all being said, let's get into our locks and leaps and take the show home. Yeah. So we're going to start with my lock. I'm looking at the Sunday night football game this week, where the uh, Green Bay Packers are currently an eight and a half point favorite against the Chicago Bears. Uh, games at home in Green Bay. Give me Green Bay all damn day. Okay. Uh, and then looking at my leap, the leaps, you know, the underdogs are looking like real bad this season. They look awful this They're week. Real bad. There's one that I thought about for a hot minute with the Patriots, but I went, uh-uh-uh, I never pick my own team unless it's a guaranteed, like, win, and this one you just don't know. Uh, however, I'm looking at the Tennessee Titans playing the Indianapolis Colts. Currently, Indianapolis is a three-and-a-half-point favorite, but I think Indianapolis, or not Indianapolis, excuse me, Tennessee is going to be able to uh, pull out the victory. So, for my lock... I'm not down that one, Pat. I looked at that one. I'll be I'll be very honest. But I know Tennessee burned me last time, so I, uh, I, I, I couldn't do it again. Okay. I, just, I just couldn't. But you know what? I don't doubt that it's going to be a fun game, and that is going to be a very close one. Mm-hmm. I will say that. But for my lock, I was actually surprised his point spread is this low. Really? I, I genuinely am. Sunday night, 4 p.m., Chiefs at Tampa Bay. Oh, I forgot that was this week. Patrick Mahomes is only a three-point favorite. Yo. I'm sorry. He's going to torch that defense. He is going to light it up like the 4th of July. I hope to God that game's on locally. Oh, I do too. I'm going to start looking. Yeah, this is going to be a must-watch game. Patrick Mahomes is going to absolutely annihilate Tom Brady in a shootout because I don't think Brady's got that arm strength to keep up. No. God, no. And how Tampa Bay's defense plays, listen, if you struggle against the Rams – 
you are not ready for Kansas City. Oh, good it is on locally. Well, that'd be fun to watch because I know, I know I'll be working early in the day, so i got to pop and see that one when I get out because that's going to be absolutely bananas. Uh, take the Chiefs in big, but the point spread's only three. That's bonkers. Yeah, so someone might be a little fishy with that, in my opinion, <laughs> for being that low, but yeah. I, but it is what it is going to be. So i got to always see about that. And for my leap, like Pat touched upon, the leaps are awful this week. Yeah, they are. Every plus whatever is awful, in yeah. my opinion. Yeah. But I like to live on the edge a little bit. Living on the edge. Thursday night, 8 p.m. Whoa. Baltimore Ravens plus four Yo. and a half. It's division. They are the one team that gives the Steelers fits. This is going to be a brutal game to watch. I'm not saying the Steelers are going to get smoked. No. This is going to come down to like a last-minute field goal. Don't they still got Tucker as a field goal kicker? Yep. Yeah, okay. So I'm going purple rain all day. The undefeated streak is over. So I'm, and I'm assuming there's no blizzard going on in wherever the game is. Tucker will be money. It's Pittsburgh. Ooh. I, it's it's going to be a tough game. This yeah. is not going to be an easy one. I'm going to tell you right now. But Baltimore shows up for Pittsburgh. This is there's true. There's certain teams they show up for no matter how good or how bad they are. This is true. They'll show up for Pittsburgh. And it's going to be a brutally hard-hitting game. Get a mouth guard ready and brace yourself. Uh-huh. Purple rain. Let's see what you got. So that all being said, the music you heard on this edition of the ODPH podcast is that of Brian Wolf and Fair City Fire. Now, Brian is doing a lot of stuff on Patreon, Pat. Uh-huh. It's kind of his new thing. He's doing some Wednesday night concerts. I don't know if he's going to be doing this Wednesday or not, but how do you find out about that? How? Uh, OchoDuroParleyHour.com. Yeah, exactly. You head on over to the music section. You click on that link for Brian Wolf Patreon. It's right there with the Fair City Fire information. You can go find out everything going on with them and sign up. Get some great music for the holiday season. Also, while you're there, definitely check out the other bands you hear on the ODPH, such as Shout at the Robots, who got something brand new for Patreon. I don't know what it is. I saw the update on my phone as I'm recording right now. Ooh. I'm going to check that out when I get out. You can also check out other great bands, such as Second Suitor, uh, Floodlands, Tom Jolu, Yard Party. The list goes on and on and on. You can also check out at OchoDoroParleyHour.com the directory, which has friends of the show, organizational links supporting Black Lives Matter, all the amazing pod groups we are in via their pod chaser pages. And I definitely want to give a shout out to Lit Gaming Arena. They have a pod lift that's going on right now on their Twitter that is taking over the, the Twitterverse. Uh-oh. It's already gotten I don't know how many likes and retweets. It's definitely a good way to shout out your favorite podcast, hopefully your favorite independent podcast, because we are all putting in a lot of work. So definitely shout out to Pod Nation. Shout out to the Legion and Independent Podcast. Shout out to Alternate Reality Radio. Shout out to the Apocalypse. And of course, shout out to Hashtag 607 Podcast. And definitely check out everything going on with links to 8122 Productions and everything that Rich, Ron, Mike C, and Hashtag Big Natty Cool Pad, still on Twitter. Uh Uh-oh is up to because they have a lot of stuff happening. All that and so much more at OchoDuroParleyHour.com. That's all I got for this week. So for the one and only Padawan J. I saw a Facebook post uh, a couple days ago. It said, if you could throw 100 100 miles per hour, which MLB player would you hit? Uh, If you've listened to this show, you know who my answer is. (laughs) That being said, I'm your host, Ken M. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to the ODPH podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. See you next time. (laughs) 